Hello and welcome once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitale. I've got the usual crew here today. Let's go through them. We've got George Foster. Hey, everyone. Joshua Torres. Howdy. Adam Vitale. Hey, guys. And James Galizio. Hey, folks. So we're already like approaching the midpoint of May, which I think is crazy. Uh, a lot of games have come out in March and April. We're still working our way through. I've already put some time into Saga this week, still working my way through that, through Nier. We've got some upcoming games that we both can and can't talk about. Only like a week away from Mass Effect. Uh, so lots of exciting stuff going on. Uh, as typical, we will start the podcast talking about some of the features we have on the site and some of the games we've been playing followed up with uh, just like a news rundown and a topical section based on stuff that we're interested in seeing in the future. So at the header here, I'm going to start a uh, site side and talk about a couple of the features that have gone up in the last week. The first one is a new review from actually a new contributor, contributor to the site, uh, Nathan, who wrote up a review for Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. So this game released uh, back in uh, March on stateside, at least February in Japan. So it's a little bit of a tardy review, but uh, Nathan wanted to cover it because he had uh, kind of been like a lapsed fan of Harvest Moon Story of Seasons, and he wanted to see just how this new entry on Switch uh, played out. So he's not here to talk about it himself, but he did write up a nice review, and it's his first for the site. Uh, so go ahead and give that a read. It seems like the general sentiment is that he uh, seems to prefer Rune Factory which maybe that's something that uh, James can also collaborate on, because I think you also feel pretty strongly about Rune Factory as a the modern RPG farming sim. But go ahead and give that a, re a read if you'd like. Apparently, um, Story of Seasons, the Pioneer game, I guess, I've never, I haven't played it, but I guess it's sort of released in a state where it almost feels not finished yet, and they have DLC coming That's that might help. But it's just maybe awkward that some of the stuff that's being included in DLC wasn't there originally. That, that was the sense I got. It's like the old, very old, this is like pre-George meme image where it's like the <laughs> Mona Lisa with the like with the segments cut out and resold to yeah, you. Yeah, I remember DLC. that. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, you were in diapers. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was <laughs> learning to read, but I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that review's on the site. We also got a, a kind of another feature here that uh, a little bit uh, out of left field for the Kingdom Hearts 3 PC port that released uh, a little over a month ago. So this is something that uh, James wrote up after playing through it on the, um, the, the new PC version. And basically, I don't want to spoil what you thought of it, but you thought very highly of it, enough so where we don't always do PC-specific reviews because it's kind of pointless. Uh, but here you thought it was commendable enough that it was worthy of the write-up. So uh, let me know what, you, what did you think of the Kingdom Hearts 3 PC version that you played through. Well, um, when we're talking about PC versions of games, and obviously we're not a PC-centric site, so there's always the issue of, like, we can't do, like, benchmarks of, like, a wide variety of hardware. Usually I try and at least test on my laptop, too, so I can say, hey, so here's what performance I got on this system, and here's what performance I got on this system, so on and so forth. Um, well, Kingdom Hearts 3, first off, the optimization is very good. Obviously, my current rig is kind of overkill. 
but I was able to run it at 4K over 100 FPS the vast majority of the time at high settings with a few things set up to max, like LOD and whatnot. And um, just very impressive. It has a bunch of other options that aren't necessarily tied to graphics, so like control or configuration. Like you have full button remapping. You can choose Xbox or PlayStation or generic button prompts. You've got full key rebinding. There's a really interesting setting in there that I didn't expect to find, but there's like presets for the keyboard configuration if you don't have a QWERTY keyboard or if you have some of the alternate like keyboard layouts. You can just choose that and it'll automatically rebind all the keys so it's so you don't have to do it yourself. Which that is, is above really and cool. beyond. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's not many things that this port is missing that really stands out as really, really being like a blemish on the port. It's just really, really good. It's kind of weird because like I would never I play most of my games on PC, but for a game like Kingdom Hearts, without even thinking about it, I'd be like, wait, you can play that with the keyboard? Well, I guess of course you can. Uh, I would just like never consider like not using a pad for it. But I did also play like Horizon Zero Dawn, like with mouse and keyboard, which maybe some people would think sounds awkward at the same time. But did did you play at all with the mouse and keyboard? Oh hell no. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Hell no. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, though, honestly, bow aiming with a mouse, it's almost I mean, like easy it's, mode. Yeah, it's a third person shooter. So it's like usually I still play those with um well actually no. I feel like I feel like third person shooters are probably a really good like usage for the steam controller rest in peace but <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. R. I. P. um usually it's kind of like it's a trade-off of third-person shooters if you want to use a controller if you want to use keyboard and mouse because usually there's a bit more emphasis on movement versus first-person shooters and whatnot but then again like there's doom internal and that like why would you play doom internal if anything other than a keyboard and mouse Unless they're playing it on Switch where there's gyro aiming. I don't know. Yeah, uh, the opposite of a game like Kingdom Hearts. If a game is from a first-person perspective, shooter or not, I just find myself defaulting to uh, keyboard and mouse. The last feature that we have up on the site is one that just went up like literally this morning. Uh, it is an interview from Alex Donaldson interviewing the developers of Neo The World Ends With You, which is only uh, two months away. So... Uh, they talk about how it's been 14 years since the original game, and it's finally getting a sequel. Uh, some fans of the previous game are now on the development staff. They think it's going to be uh, more heavily tied into the RPG systems. You know, so it's a really, it's a really kind of illuminating read. Just kind of a fun little piece to, I don't know, help dull the waiting time until that comes out uh, in the middle of summer. It's pretty interesting in that interview because they talk about like how they always they they now with the sequel they're incorporating like more like character progression elements into it so it's leading more into an RPG uh type of progression curve and like the you even have like a some sort of bond system with your party members where the closer you get with them the the better you are so it might be you know maybe taking cues from you know from a persona or something so it'll be interesting to see how, like how that unfurls in, into the game which is you know the 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 previous game, the original game, is really fun, but uh, it, it was, uh, I guess, more remembered for its style and its music more so than like its actual gameplay mechanics outside of like the the novelty of its control scheme on the on the DS. So it's interesting, interesting to see like how it'll try to reinvent itself without having to really 
rely on something that's like a novel control scheme back then. Yeah, so now that they're on a more conventional setup, they got to really focus more on like the uh, kind of the meat and potatoes. Go ahead, James. I was going to say, um, just boiling down the original games like control scheme and battle system to just the novelty feels like it's underselling it a little bit. But I, mean, I get what you really, mean. I mean, it's not really understood because it was a novelty at the time. It, it, it worked well for the hardware. I'm not saying that it was bad. I'm just saying that's, but that's, you know, that's when people think about that original game, it's, it's either, it's either one of three things, either the, the, the look of the game, the music of the game, and, or that control scheme. That, not, that's not saying that those are bad. Unless it's on Switch, in which case it's bad. Well, yeah. You don't talk about solo or final remix at this point. If you're going to play the original game, get a DS out. So yeah, we actually haven't had a lot of opportunity to do interviews in the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if it's just because like for a site our size, the easiest way to do it is like with the in-person events when usually like they, when a developer or a, or a studio will queue up slots that we can easily kind of have an itinerary that we can have our interviews go through. So, and when it, when it, and in this new, like, I say new, but like in this higher focus on like the digital marketing or whatever, uh, it just feels like we haven't really had the opportunity in the last couple of years. Did we do a single interview in 2020? I don't remember. Uh, but I did, I did one with the uh, Scarlet Nexus people. Right. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. so it hasn't gone to zero, but it's just been a little bit loose uh, and lower. So kind of cool to see. Maybe maybe we'll start ramping that back up and doing a few more of those. Always kind of cool. It's it's tough, like uh, not doing it in person, especially like because how just a little bit behind the curtains, how the how logistics, especially like you know when you're not meeting in person, works out. Like for a lot of like the the publisher side, uh, some of them. Uh, like kind of do like a roundup interviews where like it's kind of like a round robin. They take like a certain like group of people from different outlets, and then you go chat with them. But it's like a more group setting, not like a really personal setting, one to one setting. Like some yeah. of that, so some of that happens in in person, but more often than not, when you're doing in person interviews, it's more one to one. While digital interviews can sometimes can be tricky because it'll either be that round robin type of deal, or it's just like, hey, email us these questions. And then we'll get back to you if uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, we 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 try to avoid that type that last type of interview if we can. Though sometimes it can be helpful. It kind of depends on the answers they give. Yeah, I actually did do uh, an ad hoc, literally email the questions interview with the uh, with the team Ninja Boss for Neo Two, but I actually never ended up publishing it because sometimes in that case, especially the the answers you receive are just a little bit more just pure PR speak. Like it's pretty much just like, let me reiterate the bullet points that are on the fact sheet or whatever. It's just like, this isn't really interesting. You know, you're just so reminding I, me of a, of a, of a interview that never got published that I, the, that, you know, I, I went there for this site, but it didn't fit the scope of this site. Uh, I, I try to remember who it was. It was like Capcom and I think marvelous. And they were uh, announcing Teppin at enemy expo oh, yeah. that year. Like, but we didn't know what it was. They're like, you know, just, uh, you know, come hang out with us, interview. And then like, you know, it's for like a mystery project. And then like, I went there and then like, I, I found out like on the elevator up to like where to meet them at that hotel. It's like, it's Teppin. I'm like, what the hell is Teppin? Like, is that, like, they barely announced it that day too. Right. So I'm like, how, what, what, what am I going to like ask them? I didn't, I barely know anything about this thing. Um, 
And I don't even like, remember what Tekken is. It's, it's like, like it's like a card game, like a card battler game on mobile with like, like a, Street Fighter characters, right? Yeah, like Capcom so, characters and whatnot in general. Dead but, Rising's in it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Tekken, otherwise known as the King of Iron Card Tournament. <laughs> so yeah, that that was an interesting interview because like I still did the interview, but I felt like I I, I felt like I should, I asked terrible questions and it didn't fit the scope of the site anyway, and they were like filming it as well and like it was it, like the, the cool why were they filming it i don't know the the cool thing about it was like it was like i got to meet with uh what was his name i think ishimoto oh i forgot the the monster hunter producer he was like one of the ones i was interviewing for it but um it was just it was just weird because like like it's one of those things that like i knew going in was like this interview is never going to get published <laughs> i had a similar one where I so in 2018, I was I got a chance to interview people uh, at Obsidian for the upcoming Outer Worlds, and that actually was like a really strong interview, really good preview, it was really a good opportunity for us. And then the next year, they're like, "Do you want to come back to do it for another game?" And I said, "Sure." And then I go there, uh, and it was for Grounded, which is like an interesting so game. Grounded. But I ran I ran into the same problem where it's like, this isn't like. Like it, it was weird because no, you had no reason to expect this from Obsidian. They had spent like six, seven, eight years making only RPGs. Like no more than that, actually, their, their whole studio's existence. And then they make this yeah. like survival sim game, which I totally am on board with them branching out, especially when it's a small team like that, and it's just something they're really passionate about. But it's just like, how do I make this fit for RPG site? And I yeah. did end up, I did end up publishing that interview, but I easily could have just been like, maybe I can pitch this somewhere else or something because it doesn't really fit and like. I don't think we ever really covered grounded much. A, because it's not an RPG really, and B, it's still early access. Um, it's so it was just kind of weird where it's like they again, it was like Josh's setup where I didn't really know what it was going in until the moment of. And it's like, well, this is interesting, but I don't know what I can do with it with, with the opportunity here. Yeah, and it's like correction on my part. It wasn't marvelous, it was gung ho entertainment. Uh when was the last we, time I did an interview? I, I wanna say it was Anime Expo 2019, probably. I think you can tell it was never not last year. We did also have an interview uh, from a freelancer last year where they interviewed Kanji Tang, who did the English voice of Ichiban. So that's yeah. all. Oh, was, that was I, good. Yeah, that was kind of cool. But anyways, we do have the new Neo interview from Alex uh, to those developers. So go ahead and give that a read. And that game's coming out in a couple months. The, the last site side feature that I kind of want to generally kind of point out is that we have slowly been kind of ramping up our presence on Instagram. Uh, we, we've been kind of posting like artwork and anniversaries there for a while, just kind of like in parallel with our with our Twitter feed. Uh, but uh, we've been doing some work with some kind of like artsy card templates to try to kind of signal boost our any any reviews or interviews. I think actually anything that I mentioned today might be on there, including the interview with the uh, with the Neo developers. So just if, you, if you're already following us on Twitter and you're, but you tend to use Instagram more, you can go ahead and follow us there as well. Uh, just go ahead and going ahead and giving that a shout out, Instagram.com slash RPG site. So on to the what we've been playing section of this podcast. If anyone here is a new listener, we typically kind of divide this podcast after the introductory stuff is that the first half we end up uh, kind of just going through what games we've been playing the last week. With obviously a lot of like focus on RPGs and newer releases, though obviously we have no rules against going into like classic titles, retro titles, or non-RPGs. 
and then followed by a kind of a topical section where we go over the news of the week to see where the discussion leads us. That's kind of how the podcast is sort of divided. Um, I am looking at the list here of what people have marked down as the games that they've been playing for the last week. And just unfortunately, it's, it just seems a bit thin, uh, maybe due just to the fact that people are playing embargoed titles or they just didn't have a lot of time outside of their you know IRL responsibilities. Uh, but let's see, uh, I guess, what we can get out of the list here. So we did talk a little bit last week about Returnal, which I know is not an RPG, but it was a kind of a, a big splashy release for the PlayStation 5, giving us a reason to turn those on. Uh, a couple of you here have mentioned that you're still working your way through uh, Returnal. I think, James, you were able to finish it. So I don't know if maybe you can kind of go ahead and see like what, if your thoughts have changed much since last week or anything like that. Actually, don't forget. Well, I actually don't remember exactly what I said last week. I probably should have listened to last week's podcast before this week's. But I was busy. <laughs> but um, you were there. You recorded yeah. the podcast. I mean, <laughs> I like the look, last look in my defense, in my defense, last like half a week has been a bit of a blur because I got my COVID vaccine shot and I've been having the side effects something fierce. Oof. <laughs> Yeah, so, but basically last uh, week on the podcast when we were talking about Returnal, we basically broke down like you know how the game plays, how the game is. Uh, you uh, chimed in about like you know the controller haptic feedback and whatnot. Like we we pretty gave a pretty good detailed breakdown. But I I, I think uh, just the general uh, guess like we 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 generally like it uh, just as first impressions. And but we don't know anything much about like this. Uh, uh, what happens later on in the game? Like does it like pick up? Does it like be good? Or you know, I, I guess uh, most of uh, most of the questions surrounding this particular crew on Returnal is like, does it get better as the game goes on after like the second area or something? Because not not a lot yeah. of us like progress that much. But also, did you get hit by the save corruption? Oh yeah, yeah. bug. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I have not touched that game since. Well, whenever you beat that it patch before, up, yeah. Happened. So so I haven't touched it since then. So Jeez. I haven't had my uh, data corrupted thankfully um am i the only one here that's uh, finished it yeah. i think so yeah <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't i haven't had much time to really play it since and like and, and since they've been having all these updates throughout the week of like hey we're gonna release an update uh don't um yeah don't be in the your, middle of a run yeah don't be in the middle of a run or don't put your game to auto update if it's in rest mode it's like it's like a lot of like asterisks of like hey we're about to like update this thing and then like like sort of, asterisks of like yeah yeah and then, like one of like the early patches, like corrupted save data, and then they're like, um, "Well, we're gonna get another patch in to uh, make sure that doesn't happen going forward." But if your save data is corrupted, oh, well, sucks to be you. So it's just like, <laughs> can, can, when is it safe to touch this game again? So, uh, like, mm. you know, I've kind of like bounced off of it until like that sorts itself out, and whatever, whatever they decide. Ah, uh, yes, do. the Outriders problem. It's, yeah, <laughs> God, right. but it's 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 really annoying that like. I don't. I don't know. It's one of those things that, like, you would think that you would like uh, account for this after you release your game of like, you it know, there, if we're gonna fair. update this game, like, is there any way to protect our our like players from like <laughs> things like this? And so here's the thing that's funny. The thing that's really really funny. So there were reports that as soon as the update hit. Um, the servers, people that were in the middle of a run had their games crash. Uh, that sucks. So rough. even if you don't have auto update enabled, like something in their back end immediately once 
you're no longer on the same update as what the server expects, the game just crashes. Ugh. See, that's, I had actually like annoying. the reason why I haven't finished it. Sorry to to jump in, but speaking of crashes, uh, I suffered like a nasty glitch. I was near the end of the second biome, uh, feeling good, like good weapons, good good gear, good health. Like I'm like, yeah, I can do this, and I fell through the floor. Fell through the floor uh, and no auto save, nothing like that. Did it do it? You don't you don't mean like fell off a cliff. You mean just like no, I, I mean fell through the floor. I like glitched. So there's a picture on Twitter of me just like, like just just see the whole map just completely under the floor. And after that, I was I guess I was a bit salty because I was like, I'm not going back until it's got like some sort of save function. It's just it doesn't work. Yeah, that that's um, the thing, right? Like, uh, like I, I understand from like a game design and direction perspective, of like hey, adding like a, a a suspense save or any sort of save functionality mid run would like kill like the maybe the artistic integrity or like the, mm. you know, of the game and whatnot. I can understand Bullshit. from that standpoint. Bullshit. But, but I, like, yeah, like, but it's one of those things that like, it, if you're going to, if you're going to take this path, you have to be absolutely sure that like, you're protecting people from like, not having to suffer. Like, for example, what George have to, has had to go through or for like uh, many other people, it's like just random crashes or random things that go on in the game that like force them to just forcibly, like restart a run from from mm. scratch because Wait, but, uh, for, for something that they weren't responsible for. But so, I, don't, I don't think what a suspense I was saying, save would really help with that though, because the suspense yeah. save is basically like a pause, and if you crash, you can't suspend save. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, yeah maybe like maybe like saves. A yeah, saves maybe won't deal with the crashes in that sense. But I I'm gonna have to call bullshit that adding a suspend save is going to have any impact whatsoever on the artistic integrity when at the very boot up of the game it says there was no save function if you want to um pause your game go into rest mode which isn't that just a system-wide suspend like literally yeah like also that that bugs me on another level because it's like say say i'm playing this game till like i don't know like 11 p.m i'm like okay i'm gonna have an early night but i'm like really far in Okay, I'll just spend my console. Am I supposed to just like keep the console on all night? Like that's, you know, that's not always an option for people. Like yeah, I know, like yeah, exactly. when I leave my electricity on all night, that's just it. It's not even. I've played games longer than five hours at a time, which is probably what it takes to beat Returnal. Like I, I, I play games like more than ten sometimes if they're a special one. So like it's not a case of I can't put in the time to finish Returnal. It's I don't feel like it. It just it doesn't feel like it has to have like no autosave or like save between biomes like it feels like it's just doing it to like almost gatekeep in a way like it's i i don't, don't like think it. i don't think the lack of saves was due to artistic integrity or anything i think it just comes down to the fact that before this game housemark literally just made arcade games which naturally didn't really save that's true uh, okay this my some my ignorance of the ps5 here but can you suspend a PS5 game and then play another game? Like no, there's no quick, there's there's no quick resume feature on PS5. Uh, That's an Xbox Series uh, exclusive uh, feature. So base, so basically, if you're in the middle of a run, you're you're kind of like committed yeah, to it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and runs can last a pretty long time. Like uh, I I think am I the only one here that's played Risk of Rain too? Or, uh, I, know, I, I, I played Risk of Rain 1 and 2. 
Yeah, so you know what I mean when I say that runs here can last even longer than risk of rain runs, which Absolutely. can take an hour and a half, two hours. So. Yeah, but I, I I'd actually like doing that in risk of rain one and two. Like th those are actually fun because like, like yeah. But here's the thing: doesn't risk of rain have a suspend feature? I don't know if they. I don't remember if it if it does because it's been a while since I've touched both of those games. But just the average play time to like complete a run in those is vastly lower than what it would take for Returnal. Yeah, so I mean, that's, um, yeah, that, that, that's like that's like the the thing that like separates Returnal from like most other types of like roguelikes is like just completing like a normal run in it is already like, just in general. I feel like mm. the, the average time feels like it's higher mm. than most uh, others. Now that you finally said roguelike, I want to, and I think I said this last week, but I feel even more strongly about it this week. I do not think that Returnal is a good roguelike. I do not think it actually gains anything from being a roguelike. I, I think I've like I've started to come around to that uh, perspective too. Uh, like the more I, I, I've yeah. seen, and, like, it's good I, in spite of being a roguelike. But as I, a roguelike, like it's well, no, I'll say this: it's not even really a roguelike because the biomes themselves are pretty much the same thing. Like the first biome will be kind of randomized room location or spawn but the rooms themselves aren't randomly generated it's more like so are they snapped together yeah of isaac uh, like a... no 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 what i was gonna say is is that returnal is to a roguelike as doom 2016 snap map is to modding they're not the same thing <laughs> That's a fantastic comparison. I should also make it clear for people who aren't familiar, James isn't one of those people who is like, ew, roguelikes. You know, he, this is one of the biggest Shire and the Wander fans that I know. So James knows his roguelikes. <laughs> I, I used to play NetHack in middle school. Hell yeah. There we go. Oh. I, I like Returnal a lot. I just feel like I have to. It's like a constant stress. I feel like I have to be like, right, I have six hours free. Come on, let's beat Returnal. Like, I don't feel like I can just jump in and like learn a bit more, like try and beat that boss. I have to. You know, like, I, I feel like to me, you know what would be cool about Returnal? Like, if down the line, if they put like an arcade mode update for Returnal, now that that's something I'd be interested in. Well, like. they kind of already have an arcade mode because the daily challenges has like a score multiplier. And once you finish it, it like grades you based off of how well you did. Uh, yeah, but no. it's, that's not that's not really the same as like what I'm looking for, right? Like arcade mode, like is an actual stages. Like, hey, like you like uh, do an arcade mode, and like it'll randomize like the like the biome like progressions. Like, oh, you're like you, you know, the first stage is like is in the third biome, and the oh, the like a randomizer. Yeah, kind of like a randomizer, but like through an arcade mode setting, and it's like it, and then the the it's and then it'll take like the daily challenges like philosophy of like. Having like a persistent score throughout it, but I'm but you don't have to engage with like a sort of like oh I have to wait for like the next day for it to like gain something new or like experience something new, you know. I, I think like a more traditional arcade mode for that game would kind of do wonders for it. I think. Yeah, I think the main issue I have is that there's just there's no persistence, but each run is so similar. Like the biomes themselves, like even like. And I said, oh, well, there's some, like, differences in the, like, which room is where in the first biome. But in the second biome, the third biome especially, yeah, it's basically always the same exact thing. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm 
I enjoy the game. It's still, I'm still glad I bought it, even if it was $70, which I'm kind of less happy about that. But yeah, I don't know mm. why it was a roguelike. Uh, I, I honestly don't know why. It, it, it didn't need to be. So like this, this reminds me of, of, I played that, I played that indie tactical RPG other side last year, which was also a roguelike. And really more broadly, in a roguelike game, there has to be some level of randomness or some level of variety or variation from run to run to kind of keep things new and fresh and interesting. And like, just broadly speaking for a good roguelike design, right? But uh, that was one game that just didn't have enough. I think they actually updated it, but that's definitely not something you want to run into if you're making a roguelike is where runs just feel more repetitive than they need to be. Yeah, when I, when I think of like the last like really good one that I really, really enjoyed, that'd be like Dead Cells. Or even like Slay the Spire, you can count that. Did you not play Hades, Hades, of course. Oh, Hades, oh, yeah. yes. Also that. <laughs> I guess, yeah, Hades, yeah. Oh yeah, that game. It is more so in your character builds than like obviously yeah. you go from the same location to location. But like your build, depending on which upgrades you get and which weapons you leave with, can make things completely different, you know. So I I guess the, those would be like the like my, my the gold three examples is like Hades, Dead Cells, and Slay the Spire for me. Binding of Isaac's good as well. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean I, I need to try out then that new uh, content the yeah. update that dropped for it. Is anyone else's brain dumb like mine and they always associate suspense saves with like the owl statues and Majora's Mask? Like in my brain, whenever anyone mentions a suspense save, like as a long pause, I'm like, oh yeah, it's like those owl yeah. statues. <laughs> I think I do because it's probably the first game I played that had like a save that wasn't a save, if that makes sense. It's like in my childhood. So I, I get that. All right. So we have a couple other games that were brought up last week that maybe we'll follow up on this week to see. Uh, George, you've put a little bit more time into new Pokemon Snap, and I think James has as well. Yep. yep. Um, so I ended up reviewing it for Nintendo Insider. Um, I gave it a 7 out of 10, uh, which I don't know why I'm like, I'm, I'm saying it like, oh no, 7 out of 10. Like, that's good. That's a good score. It's mm. a fun game, but I, I just didn't like love it. I didn't love the progression. It for a game that's like really peaceful it can be like really frustrating as well um, i apologize if i had an impact on your view of the game <laughs> no 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 not at all like i was i was just at the halfway point and the halfway point uh i'm trying to think of the the mission it is it's like when you go underwater the game is like okay so i guess you want to like replay this stage like five times figure out what you're doing and at, at that point i was like I, it's the same thing with returnal i don't like having my time wasted um, which makes it sound like a big shot, like, oh yeah, my time's important, but it's not, <laughs> but it's like when I'm choosing between so many games, I don't like Pokemon Snap say, okay, replay this stage again and then do it at night and then go find the Illuma spot and like do a six minute course photographing something you need to photograph once, like a hundred times. I don't know. Um I think for the people who like it, they're gonna love it. Like it is it's a specific taste. Um and I enjoyed it. Like I'm I'm definitely glad I played it, but I'm not thinking of returning to any time soon like it, it is one of those one and done things for me I, I, I did you uh did you finish it like, yeah yeah fully right. well i didn't get like all the pokemon but i well, saw like, the got, ending got the yeah yeah i feel basically the same I, I didn't actually put down pokemon snap on my uh 
I, I don't think I put it down in the podcast sheet, yeah, but obviously I did. I did finish it this week. Um, I feel basically the same. I'm kind of waffling between a six or a seven for when I do review it, and I am going to review it. But it's just like, man, it's for me. It really does feel like a bit of a step back compared to the original, just because of the there's like there was like padding and replaying levels in the original, but it doesn't feel as bad and as blatant as new Pokemon snap. And the thing that pisses me off is that new Pokemon snap didn't need that because there's much more stages. There's much more Pokemon. Why is, I understand why they wanted to have it so that, Oh, the more you play the stage, the more the Pokemon get used to your presence and the more that show up. That makes sense from a, hey, that's probably what actually happens when you're, na- you're a nature photographer. But from a gameplay perspective, it wasn't worth it. I remember you it guys bringing like... up last week that like uh, you, the more, more Pokemon will show up the more you do the stage. Like Literally, you have to be a certain rank for more Pokemon to show up, which to me just feels like a level of gamification. Well, let me back up. I feel like I shouldn't judge this game so much just because I haven't played it. I always feel like, do I have a leg to stand on here? But just the concept of like, we will not allow you to see the Lapras in this level until you have done it three times or whatever. To yeah. me, like, I would, I'd rather it be more skill-based where it's like, if you notice something and you chain the right events together, you can get the Lapras to show up rather than just being like a hard software locked, oh, you're level three now. There's the Lapras. <laughs> like to me, that's just far less interesting in principle. So, so yeah, there's I, I talked to to Kian about it, um, and we talk, we mentioned Kian last time because he's he's put like probably the most hours I've seen anyone Pokemon the game. Team Master. Master. Yeah, <laughs> news editor. At, news at, yeah, news editor at the gamer. Yeah, um, and he said to me that there's like there are a lot more like secret encounters like Pokemon that you have to like do chain stuff to uncover um and just from describing it like he's one of those people that it's really like latched with and he's really enjoyed it not to speak for him but that's what i believe anyway uh and that's cool but i just i never felt like i wanted to do it like it never felt like super worth it and maybe that's because i'm not like a hardcore pokemon fan but i don't know it's there i think but it just doesn't interest me that much which is Glory a shame. Like, I gave it. I gave it a seven. Yeah, I gave it a seven. And I enjoyed it. You know it. that it's really just... pisses me off because if you finally get to those interactions that I was looking for, once you get to max like research level after replaying each stage like six yeah, or seven times, <laughs> oh, that actually pisses me <laughs> off. Yeah, I oh, believe God. it is all like. You, I think the max rank is four, but it's still like that's still. Oh God! Like, at least five or six replays. Like it is a lot. Uh. Like, and you have to be uh, finding new stuff each time. You have to be getting like good photos, and I feel and I feel it, bad because it's like rushing rushing the game to finish it. Bamco is different. <laughs> Sorry, James is having a meltdown. <laughs> Sorry, for that. did Bondi Nameco develop this? Yes, they yeah. did. It's Sometimes funny they do that weird, uh, like we are actually the developers behind this Nintendo game sort of thing, right? Yeah, they but, do that, man. Should I go back and re- no, no, <laughs> no, no? It, it's Next their own week, damn, it's, it's their be... own damn fault if I don't talk about it because they're the ones that locked it behind asinine requirements. It's their fault. <laughs> I feel Next like week, score would be lower than seven. 
<laughs> Actually, I'm thinking four. I'm joking. Oh, does it have to be a four? I mean, do we really need a score zero? Yeah, yeah. I just want, yeah, I just want a scoreless. Can we put zero in our review score field? I don't, I've no, never tried it. Let us. Oh. Here, I, I don't want to be such a Debbie Downer. Uh, George, <laughs> name one good thing, one great thing about new Pokemon Snap. What's one thing it's, about it you really liked? It's stunning. Um, I think I said this last time, but it, in what, it's like visually, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like it is. It's for my money, it is the best looking game on Switch. Not the most impressive. That is still Monster Hunter Rise. That's that game's like wizardry, but new Pokemon Snap is the best to look at. Like it looks incredible. The stages all look really cool. Uh, the Pokemon are really detailed. Like this is what I I know this is cliche, but this is what I'd want a Pokemon game to look like if they did it right. Like if they just took the models from new Pokemon Snap, like it'd be awesome. Take the environments, really cool. Um, and it is relaxing when it's not frustrating. Like if you if you just sit down, take a few photos of Pokemon, like you're gonna have a good time. It's just if you're if you're like I don't know whether it's like a critic point of view where you're like trying to beat it in like not even a specific time frame, but like in a timely manner before like other stuff comes out. It's a different experience, I guess, because I can't just go, oh, I'll come back to this tomorrow when like maybe I've I've had a rest and I figured out what I need to do. I'm like I need to finish this game now. <laughs> So I don't know. It, it's a, it's a weird one, but yeah, no, I know what you mean by them. by like it's it's not always like oh there's a deadline you have to beat it by that, but you have to like even if you're trying, to, you can't always approach a game that you're going to be writing something up or trying to critically look at the same way you would more casually. We're like oh I'm just going to put an hour here, two hours there. Like you you kind of have to treat it a little bit more like formally, which might yeah. affect like maybe maybe the game isn't conducive to being experienced that way. Maybe it is more of a, a slow burn. So even as even just as a regular consumer, sometimes like I'm playing a game and there's another game I'm interested in, like coming out soon. Like I don't want to have like two games on my plate. I want I want to finish yeah, this yeah, one yeah. before you know Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate comes out or whatever. That sometimes happens, even if it's not for review or critic critical reasons or anything. Yeah, you feel like you have a deadline because like oh crap, that game releases in a, you know ten days, and I'm yeah. in the middle of this one. I don't know, I see what you mean. All right, I will take the next swing. Uh, I have been, I talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. I have been continuing to play through Near Replicant. And unlike James, Josh, or George, I still have not finished. Um, <laughs> it's fine, dude. I mean, or, or hey. Adam. All four of you have finished. Well, Adam hasn't played the remaster. He's played the original game. I haven't uh, even started. Uh, and yeah. I think same with James. But I, I, I'm the only one here that has not finished any version of this game. Uh, so the last time I talked, I was just like 80% of the way through like the the first run through uh, our favorite roguelike, New Replicate. <laughs> uh, but uh, but um, I, I talked about like how, how I got like distracted with side quests and fishing or whatever. But no, now I've actually played some of like the real game, quote unquote. Uh, so I finished route, route A, first playthrough to the first ending. I then played through route B and got the second ending. Uh, and now I'm in the third time through the game. Uh, and don't worry, anyone listening to this, I am not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to be talking about like general vibes here. Uh, my favorite part of the whole narrative experience so far, I think, is the very beginning of Route B, which is basically just kind of the prose with music text segment, kind of like a Lost Odyssey story of dreams or a Fantasian you know, text snippet, anyone who's played that. Uh, 
and I don't know why, but just that, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's the kind bit at the start of Route B. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I don't know why, but I, I you had already seen a little bit of that with like the section in the uh, the woods area where that area has a lot of those text adventure sort of sort of bits, but I never felt so strongly about those. Uh, when it actually like focused on it, and and there's a few other ones sprinkled into the second time through as well. It just really fits for this style of game, I think. The style of storytelling. Uh, for whatever reason, I felt like more like emotionally connected to that manner of delivery of the story compared to like just the 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 base game. And I don't really so, know why that is, but I I've always kind of felt like I'm I'm a really high proponent of like the Lost Odyssey uh, years of dream stories. People will just say like, well, you know, then then it's not a game; it's just prose, or it's just music, or it's not even written that well. But I don't know. Maybe maybe my standards there are misaligned. But I just I I tend to just gravitate towards those. I I really think more games could do more. They don't have to ape that ex- completely, but if they just had more sections where it's like, if you just read this, just enjoy, you know, something, just more dialogue to read, more you know, more background lore to just to look at. I think more games could do more with it, and I really enjoy that part of the, the second. Let me just through. pop in really quick. Um the the trails games have a few stories that once you get all the chapters are actually pretty good like there's the one with the um i forget her name the scarlet yeah the the scarlet oh, yes. that's what i'm thinking of oh yes red moon rose otherwise known as falcom rewrite sukihime <laughs> oh okay i don't know sukihime but i i i remember that one I'm like hey this is actually pretty good if you just if if you like look at it at a glance and you're like man this is so many pages of reading but if you actually just like sit down and read it it's like wow this is actually pretty nice and if this was like if it was a cutscene or a montage or something it wouldn't work as well in my opinion so what we should be have is more novel adaptations of rpgs so we can say fuck the game and just read it read the novel <laughs> that's right yep. <laughs> ah yes the balan wonderworld approach hey <laughs> i haven't explained that i haven't played that game so i'll be explained you know what i actually read like i mean like the first 50 pages of like the the near replicant scripts like the the english scripts that came along with like the white snow edition like i kind of i kind of enjoyed like like re like not replay but like revisiting that um game again but just sorely through like just text like that people had to like read and perform that's a good so jealous you've got those books like like they have like yeah they have like a like the whole like setup of like it's just like it's the kind of like a stage play almost of like hey it'll it'll briefly briefly like describe the scene setup and then like these are the characters say in it it's pretty neat you know that's actually probably one of the coolest things i've ever heard of in like a special edition yeah, it's like, it's like a whole like. Whoa! Are you not meaning like the Death Stranding baby replica? What do you want about? <laughs> yeah, it's, I it's, am. It's, yeah, it's literally okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's like six like like mini like books uh, that have like scripts and like I'd, like half of them are like for just the main story. Half of them are like the side quest, and then like one like special one that like uh, includes like content that like you know some of the new content and also like. Just miscellaneous text like um like when young year like drowns like in like the river if like you jump to the water and then like you get out of it and then like what's vice's quips of like him like you know uh, almost drowning. Yeah. So it sounds like even has like the scripture like the banter text. Like it like it has like um banter text. Um, yeah, it, it's neat. Like it's like you you get to see like all the different sort of like uh contextual interactions that would have occurred that you might have missed. Like, oh, like what would like um Nir say if he like he exited the library without talking to Yona, what would he what would have he said at that like trigger then? That's cool. 
anyways, prose is an art form. So that's, it's nice. It's nice to get like a different perspective. Not perspective may not be the right word, but like a different style of storytelling from just cutscenes and dialogue. You know, that I feel kind of silly you don't though, see in games very often. Saying that, like, oh, my favorite part of this game is this little ten-minute read in this beginning here. But I don't know. I really enjoyed it a lot. And I, I'm, I'm like still thinking about it. Where no, some I of the agree. scenes and some of the scenes in the game that I feel like are supposed to be emotional just fall flat for me. Some of, are, okay, some, of are very, some of them are very admittedly corny, whether it's like English or Japanese voices. Like there's a very, very early scene in, in your not really a spoiler. Like there's a certain thing that like, you know, maybe like when Kaine, like the scenes that happen before Kaine like joins you, your party, essentially. Kinda like with uh, like young year say Kaine, we're friends now. It's like that whole yeah, thing is like yeah. like very corny. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, for sure. It's like it's really funny and like to me because I know that story. It's it's endearing, but I can see why people are like, "What the fuck do people see in this?" Yeah. And then the game does like to repeat that sort of style where it's like, uh, I'm trying to be generic here, where it's like. Come back to us. I'll find you if I need to. I won't let you Kingdom go. Hulk. Like yeah, yeah, general, general stuff. And it does it in a few different contexts with different characters. Like once it's one character shouting for another, then the rules are reversed. And then like in a different sort of context where it like repeats the same like sad song behind it. And I just don't feel it. Like I'm just not jiving. Like it's fine. I'm not like scoffing at it. I'm just like, I just I just wish I was more invested. But then I read that opening Kaine section in the beginning of the second route. And I'm like, man, like it, it, it that one hit home. And then the second route in general has enough new stuff thrown in, like all over the place with a ton of different contexts that it didn't really feel like repetition at all. Uh, well, I won't say that because that's kind of like a lie. It, obviously, you're going through <laughs> the same general beats, but I've never felt like I had to skip a cutscene or oh, not this again or whatever, because there's enough new stuff where I'm like, it just felt like this is the next part of the game. Completely normal. Then I get to the third time through where I'm starting to feel like there's not a lot left where it's like okay now there's a few more things sprinkled in but not as many a little bit more subtle now it really starts to feel like can i skip this cutscene? i've already seen it a few times do they add anything to it i don't think so and then and then i'm pressing b more often through the text where i'm just like get through this get through this get through this am i having fun i'm not sure so part three is where i really started to like i felt like maybe they could have more First of all, there might be a reason for this at the end that ties it all together. And I'm like, oh, why did I even think that way? But um, I just felt like they maybe could have more evenly distributed some of the revelations in the second time through and maybe split it to the third. Uh, they do do some nice stuff with the new remaster story content that does alleviate that a little bit. The new remaster story content does kind of progress from the first time through, second time through, third time through in a very natural and strong and compelling way. So that part I did like. But then I'm thinking, like, the people who played this originally on PlayStation 3 or whatever, they didn't even have that to bolster the third time through. So it's kind of like, oh, we just revealed these major parts just recently to you. Now get back to the very late game again before we'll tell you more. And I'm just kind of like, it's a little bit dull at this point, unfortunately. You know who are the real troopers? <laughs> the, the ones who will do the, the fourth playthrough. Uh, because, like, for ending C and ending D, like really the only thing that like distinguishes them is like a final choice at the end uh, of those playthroughs like people can you like sane people will uh just see ending c then like uh reload. reload their save file just go to the final thing and then pick the other option for the other ending but some people the real troopers will be like no i want that 
uh, ending C uh, stamp on my save file. I was actually going to ask that. Like, if you want to have your save file say all the letters, you've got to play through a fourth time to, to make that choice, right? Right. Yeah. If you uh, really want, uh -huh. so they'll, they'll be like, all right, let's that, do it like a, a tiny fraction of my mind was like, do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So I don't anyway. want to, I don't want it to skip. I don't want to like this be like A B D or whatever. By by this, I I was in the same position as you, Brian. I was like, by the third time, I was like, okay, what is it that like people excuse this for, but like will not like let repetition stand in other games? And then when I finished the game properly, like properly properly, I was like, no, okay, it passes. Like. I cried like a baby now, and like I'm thinking about it all like again. It was like <laughs> it was a journey. So like, obviously, I know you're going to finish anyway because you, you you've been playing for so long. It's like an investment, but like, do stick with it because that last, you know, that the finale is well worth it in my opinion. Yeah. So this this might be fun for you guys that know the ending, and I don't. Some of the revelations in part three, or sorry, not part B, second part felt kind of obvious to me, especially some of the stuff at the very end, right before the credits split the second time. I'm like, uh, that that seemed almost too obvious to me. Like, am I missing something? What does it mean, Carol? <laughs> but, <laughs> so that's, that's like kind of like the, the the weird, tragic thing about just near in general, um, in terms of like just what, what you experience only through the game. Because like a lot of like the surrounding stuff about near like, like things that happened way before it and things that may may have happened like in behind the scenes on it is like that's never really surfaced well in the game outside of like the brief like like dark documents that you may like receive in the loading screens like there'll be like a different color scheme in the loading screens yeah and, like, and whatnot um so like it that's kind of the, the weird thing about the, like the yoko taro games in general is like their games are solid and like the, the their themes are like like well-meaning and like in terms of what they're trying to convey to you but a lot of like the meat that you would want is like in other supplementary material that's like not in the game like you're more near like literally like detail puts a lot of details between like what happens at like dragon guard to near and like what does that chronology look like and like the actual world building is like fascinating how it got, it got from here to there but you don't really get that type of uh, sort of delivery. Game. Yeah. So yeah. And it's uh, thing about it. There are still some things that I think the game is deliberately being like, you know, the first third and you know, the second third, you don't know the last part yet. Like you, you don't, you, these things seem like they're tied together, but you don't know how or why you have to keep playing to find out. There's some parts where it doesn't feel like a plot hole. It feels like they're deliberately withholding this from me until the moment's right. So that I'm excited to like close up as soon as I route through the, the few the last few endings. So like I'm trying to keep an open mind, but there are some parts that I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah, I, I saw that coming. I do have a copy of one of the near automata novelizations, like a long story short, short story long. I don't remember. Uh, and I'm kind of interested in like revisiting both that and that main game uh, now that. I'll have played them like both, and I'll have a little bit more context. What's kind of, of course, uh, go ahead. Looping back around to what you said about the Kine story bit uh, impacting or like fitting, working for you, clicking for you. Um, one part about Near Automata that I actually remember most about that game is an, uh, another one of those story bits, specifically with Devola and Popola. And 
that hits harder when you played the original Nier and you kind of know what their deal is already. So it's if you do replay that game, like that section is one to like to, to look out for. It's another mm-hmm. one of those like story bits, and like out of the whole game, I, I also feel a little bit silly to say this. Like that's one of the most memorable parts for me, the part that's ostensibly not a game. That's it's funny that uh that we were bringing all this stuff up because like before this podcast even began, like I one of one of my tabs on my browser is just like a YouTube video of uh someone uh put English subtitles to one of the Yorha girls stage plays. I was like, you know what, maybe I should go watch that or something. It was like a <laughs> like a little over an hour long. So I'm like, hmm, hmm. Only an hour? Only I mean, one it, hour. It, it, it's it's the first <laughs> half of it. Uh, so but not, but it's not seven hours. It's not seven hours. It's that definitely it definitely uh pales in comparison to some of the the big masterpieces that um people have put I, out recently. I can't believe that Josh, Adam, and Brian are bigger Kingdom Hearts fans than George. That's still all right. <laughs> so here's some context. A YouTuber, I don't know his name offhand, uh put together Adam, look this up for me while I talk. Uh put together a seven hour long cutscene compilation of all of the Kingdom Hearts mobile projects like stitched together with minimum minimal uh Disney World <laughs> like fluff. No, not not all of them because they because they don't have the flip phone coded and recoded. So it's not oh. all of them. It's, it's well the- it's like Union yeah. and Unchained and Dark Road right. and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, and I just randomly like put it on another monitor. I'm like, why the hell not? I'll watch through this. And somehow that became like a group watch where me, Adam, and Josh ended up watching like two and a half hours worth of it. But in the middle of that two and a half hours of this cutscene stitched together mobile game stuff over the last like seven years, it tells you, all right, now you got to watch Back Cover, which released with one of the uh, HD compilations, 2.5, I think. Yeah, and, and, to, and, to, be, and, to, and to clarify, like, it's literally in the middle of the video, like after like a, a cutscene, it goes to like a black screen with white text. It's like, all right, do not progress any further. If you, if you, if you want to continue, <laughs> make sure you have watch Backstory or Back Cover. I'm like, what? Oh, that that thing and then so we went off and watched the entirety of back cover at that point because we're like well we got to get the context right we want to understand what's happening so we spent an additional hour on top of that whatever how many hours we watched it that night i think we're like almost three hours it totaled like three and a half or four yeah yeah so so for like one night we are we literally spent like like almost four hours just watching this Kingdom Hearts thing together, like trying to fucking make sense of like, all right, so this is how it went down. One of these uh, founders was raging, ra- raising child soldiers. This one's like, I'm going to fucking hi- uh, keep this document and make sure no one knows about this document, about the traitor. And this one's like, I, I forgot the other roles. But... <laughs> it's already, it's already angry one, out yeah. of my and then, See, like, like here, here, here's it, the play more. Here's how the graveyard appeared, and it's like this weird, like, mobile. Not even stuff. <laughs> not even talking about the fact that the uh, browser game and the mobile game are not the same game, but rather the bra- the mobile game is like a remake, sequel. Re- it's fucking weird. Okay, it, what I really, I really, what I really liked about this. Um, thing that we watched though is we got to see like a snippet of like some gameplay of like the how the 
like how it was actually played and how this manifested in the game, like what you were actually doing. And like the damage values in that game are fucking insane. It's, it's like, like literally in the billions, like we're doing billions of damage. Yeah, it's like here's your your here's your Riku card. Uh you're you're not doing like seven billion damage. Like, wait, what? And and it, and it didn't kill the enemy. It's like that's still just like part of the power level curve. It's like, what is going on in this game? Wait. Am I misremembering, or did it have like Final Fantasy VII Remake Cloud like come in oh, yeah, and do damage? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't and, like think Melody, like, Melody of Memory, Kyrie would show up. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it was like uh, FS7 Remake Cloud unless they added that. But like, no, I, I think, think it was. It looked like a Dissidia model, but I don't know. Or maybe it wasn't like a, the Kingdom Hearts Cloud for sure. No, no, but it was. Which is weird to see. Weird. Yeah, I don't. That was I don't know what I watched though, but we stopped to we stopped to finish it. You know? Yeah, we have we have we have how long to go? Another four we hours. Have, yeah, we have maybe we've already done four hours, so we're like halfway through if you really think about it. Just is it hours. worth it? Was it worth it? George, is it worth it to do it? No. <laughs> no hesitation on that. Uh, Wait, if it was that's... anything else, yeah, but like the mobile stuff you can just chuck in the bin. Uh, okay, George, no, you're wrong because uh, you won't understand the finale of Kingdom Hearts 3 if you don't understand. I, I want to understand that like key, Keyblade wielder cutscene tornado thing. Oh, that's, that's obvious. <laughs> that was just... That was literally just like a I want to understand it fully. Like, I want to know all those characters. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to learn more about um what was that uh, character called Catharsis Journey? Uh, yeah. Yeah. How are you going to understand Kingdom Hearts oh, if you don't Trithia. know who like Strelitzia and Skold are? Yeah. Come on now. And Brain. Oh right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, was that the Brain. guy that had the hat? Brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, how can you brain. say that you know Kingdom Hearts if you don't know <laughs> Ventus's backstory? Oh yeah, uh, spoiler. Ventus makes an appearance. I can't spoil anything else. Like why? How does that make sense? Uh, th though I do remember there's some dialogue in Birth by Sleep that it kind of explains that you need to know more about this character. See, that's why I started watching this in the first place because all of these uh, yeah. all these holes I had to fill. What are we doing? But, yeah, we doing? yeah. How did we get on this subject? <laughs> Uh, Josh was talking about spending an hour watching <laughs> Yoko. Uh, your hot girls. <laughs> yeah. Hey, sorry. So it's my fault. All, all this, all the stuff that we have to subjugate ourselves to in order to, to get the full experience. The one time we talk about Kingdom Hearts on the podcast, George can't uh, pipe in. No. I, well, I, I'm choosing not to. I'm like, nah. Uh, I'm not dealing with that stuff. <laughs> how can we call ourselves an RPG site if we don't know everything about Kingdom Hearts? Uh, that was a trip, and I probably will finish at some point. But maybe, if it's not a group group watch, I don't want to subjugate. I don't want anyone else to suffer. No, look, <laughs> me and Adam are with you. For, we're invested. For yeah, we're not going to let you do this alone now. Just like <laughs> that one Simpsons gif of uh, Homer like patting the couch, saying, "Come over here, boy." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna have the fucking years of Brian. We're friends now. We got to do this together. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to me, Brian. We'll let you go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, near is good. Uh, there's some parts that are falling flat, but other parts that are singing really, really strongly. So I will probably have it finished by next week, and maybe next week or in a different context, we'll go more spoilers. I'm not certain. We'll have to see if the interest is there. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I'm glad to play through it. And my deadline for this game, talking about like trying to finish games, is that I actually kind of want to finish this. Either before Mass Effect or before Biomutant, 
I'm not sure which of those um, that I want to jump into for for my May game. Still, still dragging my feet on ever getting back to uh, Yakuza Five. How far did you get to Yakuza Five, or did you start it yet? Or I, I never. When I, I guess get back to the series at oh, Yakuza okay. Five. Okay. I played like three and four, bang bang, and then I just paused. So need a break. Got to squeeze. Uh, got to yeah. Got to catch up. My my goal is for the end of the year is I'll play zero through seven. Maybe you have, to, you have to play Judgment before Judgment Two. Oh yeah, more on that <laughs> later. <laughs> yep. Um, so I didn't put this on the podcast stock, but I did play more Famicom Detective Club. I can't talk about it too much because preview embargo's up, but the review embargo's not until next week. So, um, yeah. Uh, look what is Famicom Detective Club? It is not a visual novel. It's a Japanese adventure game. Those are different. Um, I feel like VNDB here, like gatekeeping, just saying that. <laughs> did, but, they ever, it, uh, did they ever reinstate 13 Sentinels on VNDB? No, because they're cowards. <laughs> Look, if you're, if you're going to include Danganronpa, Ace Attorney, Virtue's Last Reward, Zero Time Dilemma, and all of those adventure games on VNDB, including the original Famicom Detective Club, which is blatantly an adventure game, not a visual novel, and then you draw the line at 13 Sentinels, you know the real reason why is probably because it was like the first like Japanese adventure game, like VN-style game in a long time that got like massive critical appeal. So I'm sure the moderators and the admins there are like, oh, I'm angry that this game is getting all this appeal. We're going to ban it from VMDB. Yeah, you can't shake the status quo, man. It's hard to go against the system. But yeah, um, so basically Famicom Detective Club um, was a series of two games. And actually, I just found out the other day that it did get a third game on the Satellaview. Wonder if we'll ever get that localized oh, one day. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's a series of Famicom Disk System games that were one of the original like Japanese adventure games back in 1988 and 19, um, 1989, respectively. Um Really fascinating stuff. Uh, basically, you play as a teenage teenager, like young detective, uh, solving murders. It's not much to say about the premise because that's basically what it is. The first one, it's like you're hired by this butler to this one like wealthy family trying to figure out who killed the uh, the uh, the matriarch of the family, and then the second one, it's like there's this like curse in the school um, called the girl who stands behind. You're investigating it as well as the death of one of the students there. It's things do get more interesting in that. I will say, I, I think I can say this. I think that the girl who stands behind is probably the better of the two. I really enjoyed that one, but uh, definitely wait for my full review. And it, is, it will be a video review when it uh, when we uh, push it uh, next week. Damn, you're a rock star on those video reviews. You're like, I got to contribute something soon. <laughs> Look, the real, <laughs> well, uh, this is kind of some uh, inside baseball, in but um, but we did talk with NOAPR recently, and I accidentally said, yeah, yeah, we're doing a video review. So it's like, oh. why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like all four of you are... The reason why this, well, I say this, but we're an hour in. The reason why this intro section is a bit light is because I think all four of you are working on at least one thing that's embargoed. 
and I'm not. I'm just like, nope, I'm still not done with Nier. Like, what are you talking about? Adam and I have uh, inserted our 2004 disc of uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne to our <laughs> PlayStation 2s. Oh, I see. I and mean, you, yeah, you just both decided to play this PS2 classic, this this gem of a game at the same time. Just Yeah, just <laughs> weird. No reason. <laughs> <laughs> but you both, uh, you both really like Nocturne, the 2004 PS2 release. Yes, of course. Just uh, solely the 2004 PS2 release. There's nothing else for Nocturne coming out anyway. So we just decided, hey, we should. For, for an arbitrary reason, should we should we put off on talking more about Nocturne until some later date? Yeah, we should. I, yeah. I feel like I feel I like I'll be in a better it. position to talk about it, like yeah. in a week or two. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to ruin the game for people who didn't experience it back in two thousand four. You know. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I am totally on board with this. This makes sense to me. That's everything off the list. Um, does anyone have anything else like James did that they were just hiding or? Should we go into the uh, the news slash topical section? Let's go. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right, we got a new trailer for the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade. So this obviously is releasing. Uh, when is it releasing? In June. June. 10th. Sorry, it's just yeah. It's, I was looking at the site, but it has the April tenth date from last. Because uh, uh, like uh, it's not the same game, but it is the same game. This, uh, this new right. trailer debuted as like the final like uh, thing for uh, the first stream for Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier, the battle, the mobile game battle royale. So that's when yeah. it debuted. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, and this is like the final trailer before Remake Integrate, and it's a Square Enix trailer, which means that it is full of probably what most people would consider spoilers. Oh, it has big spoilers. Uh, it has big yeah, spoilers. it does show some parts of like the base game playing at like. Uh, at 60 frames per second on PS5, which is kind of cool. But then obviously it focuses a lot on this new uh, Yuffie Utai focused DLC PlayStation 5 exclusive chapter. Uh, we also did see uh, as a little footnote at the end of this trailer that it will be available on PlayStation 5 exclusively for at least six months. So different people have probably different thoughts on that. Uh, the trailer itself, obviously, it seems like it's giving a lot of focus on obviously Yuffie and Sonon, and uh, it, it also s introduces some things that are characters from Dirge of Service that I have completely purged from my brain, but... <laughs> Narrow the Sable! Yeah, like, I remember I the name, but I barely remember the character, man. That's... Yep, that's Dirge of Service. Yeah, and so obviously, if, if for people who haven't been on board, they've already revealed that Weiss will, also from Dirge of Service, is playing a role in this DLC in some manner. Uh... So yeah, uh, yeah, that's weird. Like, uh, for people who don't remember Nero the Sable, he's like that kind of like masked uh, antagonist that has a lot of crazy powers and kind of very forgettable. But I don't know. He's he's back uh, for some reason. Um, they also showed off that the Fort Condor mini game from the original is making a return here as well. It's kind yeah, of like that it looks, game. Yeah, it looks a little bit less like tower defense and more like conventional strategy rpg but in the final it, fantasy 7 like style it's kind of weird it's like a, it looks it looks like a warhammer tabletop presentation yeah it, it kind of does like little little like statuettes moving across yeah. a very small battlefield i, I kind of dig what they did with the, with the art style for that uh, so i don't know that's that's cool but it's uh it looks exciting there's a lot there's a lot of uh moving parts it looks like in the that game and i wonder i wonder oh. also if they're gonna like uh, have some new things in like the main narrative too, 
with how, how that trailer framed things. So it, and they did they did also show off Rama Ramu. I don't know the yeah. Thunder Summon. Right. So he looks he looks cool. Um, when I hooked up my PS5 last week, the one game that I did like download to make sure all my saves were in place was Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's weird because I was kind of lukewarm on the base remake, but not, I'm like hyped for this for some reason. Maybe it's because I just don't learn my lesson. But like, it looks good in 60 FPS. It'll make you. Yeah, yeah, it does. It looks. Oh. Square Enix is kind of back to their like kind of flexing mode. Man, I wish I could. Era. Man, I wish I could have my first experience with this game at 120 FPS though. That's six uh, months yeah. exclusivity. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, it's so it's going to be PlayStation 5 exclusive until at least the end of the year, it seems like. So it is what it is. Uh, what are we thinking? Are, are we thinking there's going to be epic for sure? Or do you think it's going to? It's going to be epic. It, yeah, it's, it's 100% going to be epic. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it, considering that at this point, like 95% of what Square puts out is Unreal Engine games. It, it makes sense that they would be having a pretty healthy partnership with Epic Games and whatnot. What if it goes so, to Judgment Route? It's a Stadia exclusive. <laughs> oh, God. I finally bought Judgment on uh, PS5 because, um, spoiler alert, the Japanese version of uh, Judgment Remastered is uh, exactly the same as the Western version, but it's 2,000 yen versus forty dollars so it's literally half the price yeah hmm. if we have nothing more to say on the final fantasy 7 remake intergrade we'll just go on straight into the uh uh yakuza judgment rgg studio news uh, a lot of it kind of came out and filtered through over the last couple of days very very late in the week no no, uh, thoughts we already... on, uh, no, no thoughts on ff7 the first soldier and what they had to say about that <laughs> uh, what did what did they have to say about that? I mean, look, they have uh, chocobos. You have the mechs that you can ride on it. That they showed a map where you can drop to. You saw like just uh, soldier cadets uh, dropping onto the on the tomato town. Like, uh, it's great, it's great, fantastic. Will you be able to murder a chocobo? Probably, I think so. Type zero all over again. <laughs> when's that game? When's that game do out again? Um, I think they're doing closed beta test signups on Android. I don't know if there's a release date. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Signups open for Final Fantasy VII. First, sorry, The Last Soldier. The First Soldier. First Wait. Soldier. Or is it Last Soldier? The First Soldier. First soldier yeah. I, I pulled up a Kotaku article and it says The Last Soldier. It's the first soldier. The sum enumeration soldier. All right, yeah, this Kotaku article, not to, not to shit on them, but they've got, like, the last soldier italicized twice in their article, and then later in the, in the next paragraph, it says the first soldier. Yeah! So, <laughs> Berenstein, what are the other? Anyways, beta, beta signups are, are open, I guess. Who, who, who's dropping with me? I'll drop. I'll drop. I'm going to be too busy uh, come next week when I finally start playing Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> <laughs> What is the FF11 Battle Royale? It got canceled. Oh, damn. So over the last couple of weeks, we've had had a lot of teases that have from Sega and from RGG Studios about a probable incoming sequel for Judgment. They were doing like these little Twitter tiny video clips. And some people that were really dedicated were like really trying to like scour and comb through those and be like, what is 
what is it going to be? What's, where is it going to take place? And some people did kind of poke out that it was going to take place in, I uh, hope I get this right, in Yokohama, which is where parts of uh, Yakuza 7 take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then that did end up being true. Sega and RGG Studios announced Lost Judgment as a global simultaneous release for September 24th for basically all consoles, no PC release. Uh, just like Yakuza 7 and Judgment, it will have the dub and the sub. It'll have the dual subtitles for one that matches the Japanese audio and the one that matches the dub audio. Uh, so this is kind of like everything from Judgment and Yakuza 7 in terms of like Western presence at kind of its zenith as a global release, the first for the studio. Uh, so I haven't played Judgment. I don't know like if it originally left off on a sequel tease or not. Um, but we got a new announcement trailer, both in English and Japanese. Uh, we got some interesting artwork for it. What do we think about Lost Judgment? It I'm looks very really excited. good. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah, the I'm impression definitely. I got was that Judgment did... Well, again, I haven't played it yet. I should. But from people I know that have played it, they said that it does some really cool things. It had a lot of potential. Obviously, as a spinoff, like, there is room to kind of build upon that. So hopefully this is just that. Yeah, there. Like, I I really love Judgment. Like, uh, like I can see why for a lot of people who are just into the Yakuza series in general or RGG Studios, like a good chunk of them will say Judgment was their favorite story. It really, it it really uh, builds up in a way that like uh, a lot of Yakuza games like they they have uh, they're crazy, but the way that Judgment builds up and like the the the, the finality of it, the whole final stretch of it is like very strong and and how that unfurls. Um, so I'm really interested to see how this, um, like, it, like uh, the first judgment is a very conclusive arc. Like the the when you first introduce the Yagami and the cases uh, that he's uh, on and what that amounts to. Like it, it's off. It's not like a sequel tease or whatnot, but it's like due to the case of Yagami just um, being like a, a detective. Like it's like there's a new case you know there there are new things happening in this so there, there's never like a case of like oh we're dangling like this carrot in front of you that there'll be a sequel tease so it's nice to see that you know rgg studio heard like you know the the feedback of fans wanting more judgment because they you know before ichiban uh i guess ichiban debuted on the yakuza online i forgot if that was before or after judgment but uh, a lot of people warmed up to um, Yagami as being sort of a, a, like a new protagonist. That's not to say a mainline protagonist, but a strong like frontliner for a Yakuza spinoff series. And he's and I really like his demeanor. He's a very, he's a very mellow, down to earth guy. Um, always tries to do the right thing, but he but he's not like as intense as Kiryu or not as energetic as Ichiban. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting take. Um. This is an interesting um, premise for Lost Judgment. Lost Judgment is uh, about this new case where um, there's this guy where he he's being um, accused of committing two crimes at once, um, and th- there's whole um, questions about like uh, there there are dead bodies that were identified as abandoned building in Yokohama, and uh, Yagami is put onto the case uh, with it, unlike figuring out uh, like the circumstances behind these mysterious murders uh which is kind of like a not not really in the in the first game it was already like something in motion where the premise of the first game was Yagami 
was, was uh, used to be a lawyer, but now he's a detective. He's like kind of a disgraced detective because the, the premise of the first game was um, the person that he got acquitted, um, which is very rare in Japan, uh, just even in real life, uh, that, that person went on to do another murder, and then that, was, that put a stain on his record. So that's why he stepped out of being a lawyer into a detective to like you know get another another perspective, and then like so he's kind of like kind of crestfallen uh, from the from the get go in Judgment, while in Lost Judgment he's kind of had his spirits uh, up. He's more confident now. He's like kind of knows where where he is in life and where he wants to go. It's like a more confident Yagami from the get go is a really interesting like just sort of setup, and he's uh, he's. Uh, more dependent on now while in the original judgment he was kind of like every, everyone kind of looked down on him so it's it's really cool um a lot of uh, they mentioned in uh, lost judgment that as part of the this new case you know uh, one of the big um locations that they're gonna have and it's like a high school setting so like yagami will go undercover in a high school <laughs> in uh in, uh, and they in actually mentioned that there's a specific combat style where you can just like if you don't want to punch high schoolers you can just like parry them and just like yeah. deflect their attacks. Yeah, that like, was a nice touch. In uh, in in the first in the first judgment, he had two combat styles: the tiger style and the crane style. Uh, one worked better on groups of enemies. One was better worked better in one to one combat scenarios. And then in this one, they added a third style: the the snake style. And yeah, as you mentioned, the, the that'll focus on. Um, parrying uh, more and more like self-defense rather than going a graceful back. style that can deflect and return an opponent's mm -hmm. strikes using their energy against them. Oh, and then like, I forget, I forget what context but they mentioned. Like you can use this uh, in, in a high school setting if you, if you want. Yeah. There's, a, there's like yeah, high school okay. bullies trying to pick a fight with you and you don't <laughs> want to beat the shit out of them. Then you know, it's, it's kind of a weird setup. Like at, at first you're like kind of tilting your head, but like, are there really bad dudes over there? Who knows? I, I don't know. <laughs> How much you'll be fighting high school kids in this, <laughs> but it's it's definitely. But people, uh, I I think the 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 response that uh, cracks you up the most is it's literally the "How are you doing, fellow kids?" Uh, meme. <laughs> that's definitely Yagami in this one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna make that joke. He, he even has the skateboard and everything. <laughs> yep, yeah, like he had. He, there was like you could engage with the skateboard a little bit in the first judgment, but this, uh, but in this one they go all the way where you can just like literally just fucking ride a skateboard and like go to half pipes and do fucking tricks it's like all right sure i guess <laughs> why not and then the so, some of the mini games that they showed in the trailer uh there's like a whole uh, new boxing thing you can engage with and instead of like uh drone races you have like these uh battle bots uh arenas that you can like uh, build your own robot and um participate in tournaments with that and then they have a uh a dancing uh mini game uh as part of this as well, so you'll see Yagami like dance off. I think uh, the the thing that's really um, still in question, right, is whether they're going to have karaoke in this game because in the first one they didn't have karaoke because uh, Takuya Kimura, the actor for Taka, for Yagami, is literally like one of the most famous actors in Japan. That like the the fee for him to like just put his singing voice into like something is like. I, I hear it's like astronomically like high. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's the reason. But you know, Kimura is still back as Yagami, but the the, the verdict's still out whether they're gonna have karaoke in this game. Will they actually shell out that massive amount to get that? It's uh, it'll be interesting to see. But you know, it, this this game looks really good, and 
I think it really um I can see why they did the art style change to Yak uh, Yakuza uh, Judgment Remastered, but I think it suits it, when a game is like built from the ground up with that style and lighting engine in mind, like it works way better than like in while well, Judgment Remastered, it feels like you kind of like retrofitted that yeah. game to fit that lighting engine, which kind of feels off in places. While this one, it like it looks it works way better because of like the indoor environments that um you're going through, especially when they started like going the through like the the sections of the high school that you'll be investigating. Like those look really, really nice. So I'm really looking forward to this, especially because I uh a lot of uh the footage that they shown, um it seems like my favorite character in Judgment, Sayori, is gonna have a more prominent role in this. I'm like, yes, hell yeah, she's awesome. She's uh well uh what is she the character with the hair in her glasses? Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> she was a defense lawyer that used to work in the firm that uh, Yagami worked for as a lawyer. So she seems to be uh, teaming up with him for a, like a, a portion of this game. It's like, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. But, now, one uh, thing that we have to bring up that's kind of inherently tethered to this discussion is that in an interview with IGN, um, RGG Studio, it just says the two producers either Toshihiro Nagoshi or Kazuki Hosokawa have mentioned that basically judgment will continue as the action series pillar for this Yakuza meta franchise where Yakuza Like a Dragon obviously introduced the turn-based RPG mechanics and then the Yakuza series presumably continuing to start Ichiban will carry that forward so that will be yeah that will be the split for the foreseeable future Yakuza mainline series being a turn-based RPG, Judgment, now a multi-entry sub-series, continuing the action brawler style. So I think most of us are kind of on board with that. I think all of us are pretty endeared to what Yakuza 7 brought to the table, even though it was, it did kind of have some like first attempt hiccups, some things that could have been buffed out, polished out. The fact that we know that action Yakuza has a future in this Judgment framework. I think it's kind of a relief for people who really liked the uh, the brawler style gameplay. But I don't mm. want to speak for you guys. How do we feel about that? I love it. Like I haven't played enough of Judgment to really endear myself to that yet, but I loved Like a Dragon and like that was my main hope coming away from it was keep Ichiban, keep the RPG mechanics and improve on them. So yeah, like, George, the, I don't like I know. RPG guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm as surprised you are. That and Disco Elysium like this this past year and a bit has been crazy. We've we've poisoned him. I yeah I've I'm now all we need to do is to get uh, George into Saga and the transformation <laughs> will be complete. <laughs> uh, that'll be tough. It feels like maybe another year. <laughs> but I think yeah this is uh, I I think they're making the right decision. You know I think they they really shouldn't do a one and done with uh, Yakuza's turn-based thing. I think they should really build upon it. I think, as George mentioned, and what I reviewed uh, of it, uh, you know, a lot of first attempt, first time hiccups for like uh, things that could easily be improved upon on uh, moving forward. I would really like just to see like what is the ultimate realization of their of their battle system as they continue to refine it over the next however many entries you know like it took like think about it like yakuza took a while for its beat up style to like really get to where it was at by the end you know it took like when you think of like the first two ps2 games like yakuza 2 was like 
probably like a, a pretty good step up from like how the first one uh like where it was and how it matured on the ps2 ones and like that was really cool but there's still a lot of refinement that could have been made but then it made the jump to hd with yakuza 3 and yakuza 3 really really like took a while for future entries to really refine upon it like yakuza 4 was pretty all right um but it was like split between four protagonists yakuza 5 i feel like it, it kind of was too much like uh, on top of everything else that's like i felt wrong with that game like it for me that hd era of yakuza didn't re- really realize like its full potential until yakuza 0 uh, if i'm being frank so i think well, like go for people it. that came late to the series like me are kind of given like a softball where we're always told we people who are new to the series like now now that one and two have been remade into kwami and kwami 2 i never or very rarely see anyone suggest that you should play these as well play the original and then the remake or play both because they're both have something it's always just play kwami and then you play through zero which is like like you said it's almost like a peak refinement of that style you play Kwame 1, which is a little bit rough, but obviously it's got all of the knowledge baked into it. Kwame 2 is obviously really, it's a, I think Kwame 2 was one of the first two games with a new engine. I forget if 6 yeah. or Kwame 2 came first. It, it's 6 and, uh, and Kwame 2. Yeah, and then, then during my playthrough of the series, 3 is kind of like the most retro or the most old school that we get. And it was a little bit of an acclimation period to get to it, but then by the time I get to Yakuza 4, it doesn't feel like that much of a drop off. Like I feel like people who are in the series late because of the remaking of the first two games, we don't really get to see that that progression and that continual like nips and tucks of mm-hmm. making the system feel less clunky and smoother and improving like the counter system and all that. Uh, so it's kind of weird. Like maybe I don't have the appreciation for it that someone who played the PS2 originals does. But that, that that's the like thing about RGG Studio is they're really really good at refinement, uh, like over several entries. Like the first time will, like most assuredly, like not be like the hit, you know. Um, yeah. I won't say that the first time, but give them like another two three games. Like by that by, by that point, you'll be like, oh, they really found themselves, and I'm really glad that like you know they're not just scrapping the RPG idea. And I really want to see what the what is the Yakuza Zero moment for that RPG turn-based RPG system. Or Ichiban, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm really curious where that like, what is the Yakuza Zero of Ichi, Ichiban's era? You know, that I want to see that. I want to witness that. And, this is low-hanging fruit, but the two things I would like to see refined. The first one is just like AOE spells and positioning, and maybe this maybe I'm just a boiled frog when it comes to this, but like I totally wouldn't mind. If the player characters and the enemy characters were just stationary in battle, like to me, like, no, that, that level yeah, of artifice, that level of artifice. So in Yakuza Seven or like a dragon, everyone kind of like paces left and right and back and forth, and it does kind of make it have a little bit more energy. But as a game, it makes it just kind of finicky when like someone's like walking up against like a guard railing on the on the highway or something, <laughs> and you hope they don't get hit by a car. Which the game actually had like some like I think systems in play where that would actually like work out all right, and sometimes it would end up being really wonky. Uh, and I actually wouldn't mind if they just kind of like lined up a classic Final Fantasy style. Maybe other people wouldn't. Maybe that wouldn't fly for younger, newer gamers. But I wouldn't like, mind. Uh, like it'd be, I think it like a good compromise of that. It, like they made it more like like stats focus. Is like, hey, if this enemy or this ally has like a higher agility stat, like that, like uh, they'll they'll sway more back and forth, and that that's how you know they're more like 
uh, fidgety or like uh, like that. Oh, yeah. I like that. So it's like the st stats, like their stats, kind of reflect their behavior in battle visually. Yeah, I like I like maybe like a really fast character is more likely to walk out of your AOE, or a big slow lumbering character stands yeah. obviously still has a lot of health or defense, but you can more easily tackle them. And then one thing that I thought I never quite understood is that Yakuza Seven has kind of like this gun strike melee like it has three different weapon types and then it has like an elemental system where it's like fire ice or thunder but sometimes like an enemy would be weak to strikes and thunder but if you did like a strike attack that wasn't thunder it didn't count as weak or thunder that wasn't it was kind of weird like it felt like there was some arbitrariness in terms of like how those systems played together like what superseded what does mm. that make sense yeah yeah, yeah. Where, where I swear there was times where it's like this enemy when I when I look at them in my like Pokedex whatever that was called in my game it says they're weak to cold but I do this cold attack from the dance from like the waitress that like shoves the ice bucket on them and it doesn't do much damage and, and, I, and I'm like I don't quite understand like there's some like wriggling things that I think just could be polished out where it says like well, remember when that game first launched uh, it didn't have an update where you wouldn't know. You would have to you would have to consult that Pokedex to learn what they were weak to or not, because in the English version, for whatever reason, the little the little tooltips in battle that deliver that information weren't working properly. So part of my experience might be colored from that. But I, I just think that that could that whole setup about like attack types, spell types, elements, attributes just could use a refining pass. But like yeah. you said, that's kind of like what RGG Studio like they've done it in the past. So they, they, they've got the precedent that I, I kind of trust them mm -hmm. in that respect. And, and that's, the, that's the, the, the thing that's exciting about it, too, is like, how do you take like these RPG concepts and uh, communicate that through a modern lens, a modern setting? Like, that was the fun thing about Yakuza 7 is like, oh, these, the, like, imagine like a modern day, like traditional RPG party follow, following each other. And how does that like actually look like in quote-unquote real life like what would that look like and just seeing that realized through a game is like uh, very fascinating and I, I i want there's so much potential and imagination yet to be explored in that space so i'm I'm really happy that you know i know i know a lot of people will still you know not like that this direction for yakuza but i think it's it's cool that they're doing something new and you know continuing to try to revitalize the series you know it's okay and I think I think Ichiban has more than proved to like the audience far and wide that like it, like he can be the main character. Like he is a yeah, for person. sure. Not only that, but I I just think they could tell different styles of stories. Yeah. Now that they have like a cast of characters they can work with, they can introduce new ones. They can have parts where it's like late in Yakuza Seven Two or whatever they end up calling it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's where, where it's like where it's like. Oh, oh man, Otachi, he's back, or or, or whatever. Where they think they can do moments like that, and I guess yeah. they could do it in Yakuza in the original series because that, that did have a supporting cast, but not to the same strength. So I think they really can like explore different styles of storytelling, yeah. Uh, which which I thought was one of the strengths of Yakuza Seven was like like that. There's a pretty key moment late in the game where Adachi is like the main character for just like a scene or two, uh, involving the commissioner, which makes sense because his role is a. Uh, if he's a former policeman or retired or what uh but it worked for that character like you put each bond in that role in that specific moment and it wouldn't work as well so they can do like more interesting and then also like psycho's relationship with her sister who was important earlier on in the game um so that's the sort of stuff where i'm like 
yes, it continuing on as an RPG is cool, but I'm more like it's also cool that they can have like this cast focused storytelling. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So now I just got to round it out by uh, by finishing the original Yakuza games and playing Judgment. So put it on the list. Morichiban. Ichiban's great. All right, we've got a few uh, different little announcements and some date revelations here to kind of round out the cast in this last section. We have a new game announcement from Spike Chunsoft. Made in Abyss, Binary Star Falling into Darkness is set to release next year in 2022 for PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam. Now, I tried asking Adam a little bit about this yesterday, but maybe uh, maybe one of you guys are a little more uh, knowledgeable on it. But Made in Abyss is like a manga series, or is it a light novel, or what is it's Made a in manga Abyss? series that has like beautiful artwork, like really detailed like panels and whatnot. That got a really really good anime adaptation, and actually, along with the announcement of this game, like season two was announced. Uh, that I believe it was, was it 2017 or 2018 that it won uh, Best Anime at the CR Awards or whatnot? 2017, I believe. 2017. So yeah, very highly regarded uh, show. And people had memed about how it's an anime that feels like it should be a video game. And uh, now now it will be. So this is the first video game on the property? Yes. Yes. It's also going to be Zero Z, which is basically the equivalent of adults only in Japan. So that's going to be... something so, so so let's uh let's back up like uh like what is made in abyss you know but made in abyss is uh like the the story of uh these two characters uh rico which is uh both of them are kids uh R- rico's the blonde haired girl with glasses and reg and reg is uh is basically a robot basically mega man um and the the way that the world is structured in this in this uh property is they live in this village but the the, the structure of the village this village is so it's kind of like think of facade and near it's like a but it's circular shaped and there's and at the center of this town there's a big hole in it and that's where what the abyss is and like a, a lot of people um try to uh go through this abyss to find treasures uh fi- find uh, you know a way to get wealthy but there's a lot of mysterious creatures and just threats the, the further down you go in it and no one really knows what's at the bottom of this abyss and um, Rico wants to go find her mom, and her mom was uh, a diver, and uh, a diver is the people who explore the abyss. So, um, you know, she's like, you know what? I want to go find my mom. And when uh, shortly after she meets Reg in town, the, a lot of the the story is about what they find the further down they go. I feel like you kind of gloss over an important point of that is that one of the things about the abyss is that the further down you go the more like side effects you have if you try to go up even yeah. like a, a little amount so like past a certain point you literally just have to keep going down because going up would literally either kill you or malform you into like a demon or something yeah so the, like, there, there, there's very there's very uh pretty fucked up shit happens the further down you go uh is the long and short of it without trying to spoil anything about the series um and so like it's an interesting thing about this series where for a lot of fans like on this game announcement like seeing the Sero Z rating on this is a relief for fans is so because like it's a very 
intense, beautiful, and visceral series of, of like Reg and Rico's adventures as they continue to traverse down this abyss. And with you know, as James They're, mentioned, yeah, uh, just the things they they uh, encounter and uh, experience and feel. And so part part of this like uh, U3D action RPG that was announced is like they showed some screenshots of like the UI and what the gameplay might be like. Uh, part of this is like a survival game too. And that that very much reflects in the series as like uh, Reg and Rico have to think about like their limited supplies and resources and like how will they continue to survive the next day on just on this with the surroundings that they don't know what to make of and whatnot. And um, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game to see how far they go with it. Um, part of this game is, I, I think, to to some extent, like it'll have the, a similar setup of like why they're going down the abyss. But I, there's a uh, an aspect of the game where it's going to be a game original story uh, written by the the original author or manga author. Yeah, the press the press release says again. The title of the game is Made in Abyss: Binary Star Falling into Darkness. It is going to get a worldwide release. I didn't specify. I didn't clarify that, but it will, including even a physical release in Europe from uh, Numbskull Games. But it says the player can relive the experience of the anime in story mode as well as explore an original story supervised by the series author Akihito Tsukushi. So, so is this an adaptation mostly of the first uh, season? Then, uh, actually, it's it, it's interesting. I think I think they might actually go into movie three of the of this because part of the part of the copyrights on the screenshots uh, like specifically mentions Dawn of the Deep Soul uh, in it. So mm, interesting. To, so to to clarify for people who don't know, um, Made in Abyss got, uh, I think, a 12 or 13 episode anime series. And then uh, shortly, like a few years after it, they released two recap films that goes over the events of that TV series. And then the third film for Made in Abyss is the actual sequel to that TV series. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, Madoka approach. Yeah, yeah. So the um, and then now with this uh, new uh, TV anime season two that they announced, that will be a sequel to movie three of Made in Abyss. So I, I, I wanna, I still need to go see movie three. I, I wanna watch it in a, like shortly, but you know, pe- pe- all my peers are telling me, all right, just you know, um. Get glimber up, get ready, you know. Movie three is an experience. Uh just uh Bone Dad Best Dad, obviously. Yeah, make sure you're ready, you know, like mentally for it. Like, all right, okay. Uh so yeah, um, it's very, very interesting. Like I'm I am very curious to see how this plays out. It has it has a lot of potential, but I'm also really curious to see how far they're gonna go in terms of like game content and like what happens in it. Because it's uh it's it's inevitable that things will have to be toned down even with a zero z let's just yeah. say that yeah it's uh, i have to i have to imagine that's the case it's a it's a bittersweet almost somewhat tragic story at times it's uh they go through a lot these two yeah i think it's worth mentioning that like i know for resident evil games they in japan will get like a zero D and a zero Z version, or at least some of them do. Mm-hmm. And I know even in Japan, when it comes to things that are more like violence related, even the zero Z version in Japan is quote censored compared to the English version. I just, do wonder. There's oh, a yeah. broader. There's yeah. a broader. You know, like just Resident what ratings. Most, yeah. 
uh, are in different countries just have different limits and what they can show or not show. I, I, yeah, I wonder what the English rating will be for this game. Yeah, if it's an M rating, there there is a possibility that some things will actually be less censored than the Japanese version if they wanted to go that route. Yeah, possible. Wouldn't be the first time. But yeah, I mean, but but for anyone who's like who's interested enough in our our little uh, talk here to give Made in Abyss a, a shot, I I definitely recommend the anime. Like, if you just want to like watch it and uh, but if you want to read it, that's fine too for the manga. But I, I really, really, really like the anime. Like the the, the music, the OST is top notch. Kevin Penkin. Uh, Do we know it, if he's going to work on the uh, soundtrack for the game or no? We don't know yet. We don't know much about the game staff. They're very, they're being very coy and secretive about the game staff for this game. So I'm interested. I, I hope Kevin Penkin is working on it because he's he already announced that he's working on the second season for uh, as well. So I have to imagine he is, but we'll see. But yeah, like, but uh, I will give you all the content warnings in the world if you're get, thinking about watching Made in Abyss or reading it. Like, it is very, um, let's say, I, I can't even tell you like how many content warnings. It, it it can get gory at times. It can get um, if you're afraid of like um, spider-like creatures. You have a, a sort of arachnophobia. Uh. I, there there are definitely some. Um, there's like monster designs in it that may like trigger that. Like I just say, like if you're if you really want to give it a shot because you're curious, just be aware. Be aware. Not well, hmm. Not even just gore necessarily, but there's obviously like that one scene in the latter half of the <laughs> series that yeah. everyone talks about where it's like basically no matter what you are going to be uncomfortable. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. It, it, it really goes places. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting about being on this side is that, like, when I saw that, uh, who wrote the news post for it? Was it Adam or was it Kite? It was Adam. Uh, and he tweeted it out. And then I saw it got, like, a pretty strong reception, 500 likes for a news post announcement. And, I, and that kind of made me go, like, I don't know what this is, but maybe I should. So it's really cool that I can ask you guys. And now I'm like really interested in this game. I'm like, it's like on my list for 2022 is something different. It's got a unique art style, the way you're describing it as this really like bleak, gory, you know, game. Well, just <laughs> combined with that, like, uh, I may, I may not be summarizing your thing very well, but I'll, it just seems like it's unique. Yeah. I'll be blunt, Brian. I'm not entirely sure if the anime is something I would actually recommend to most people. Uh, it, well, I, I, I recommend it, but I, I give them a lot of asterisks after that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, like this is not a terrible game, the sort of game that I would typically like look at just because I don't know, just I don't typically play like I don't have a precedent and I haven't seen the anime, but just the way the way I saw the response to the announcement and the way that you guys are describing it. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll have to check it out or at least, or at least give it a second look like once we're once we know more concrete like yeah, release details I'd be, I'd be very interested to see like if more people on the on the staff like watch or read it and like what they're what they come away with on that because it, it's it's something that's hard to talk about without blatantly saying what 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 is happening in it We got a couple uh, release date announcements for games that we had talked about previously. About a month ago, we talked about the announcement of the bundle pack from Nice America. 
Prinny presents NIS Classics Volume 1, which contains Soul Nomad and the World Eaters and Phantom Brave being remastered for PC and Nintendo Switch. Both of those were originally uh, PS2 games. Uh, we learned that this Classics Volume 1 bundle will release August 31st in North America and then early September in Europe and Oceania. Um, so I don't know if there was really anything be- beyond. They, they did release a new trailer for it. Uh, but other than the release date, I don't know if there's really anything more to say about this. I, do, I did see, again, kind of on a similar note, that a lot of people, when we, when we shared this release date announcement, it seems like a ton of people are really excited to revisit Soul Nomad. So again, kind of the same thing. I'm like, maybe I should look into that. Like, what is Soul Nomad? Apparently, people feel pretty strongly about it and are really looking forward to the um, ability to replay it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd never, I never got the impression, at least back then, that like Soul Nomad was like a beloved game. But if if there is, that's that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I I want to dip my toes back into Soul Nomad and like see how it holds up today. You know, it's been a, it's been a long time since so. I'm I'm interested. I'm sure, and like the, the back half of the year is kind of still relatively empty. So you know. Well, with this announcement and with the judgment announcement, like we've already gotten a couple more things for September, and including this next announcement. So they're 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 filtering in uh, pretty pretty rapidly here. Uh, I'll just throw it out there. Um, so Pathfinder: Wrath of the Righteous from Alcat Games, the follow up to Pathfinder Kingmaker, which I think is pretty good now that it's been fixed. Uh, will release in September on the 2nd for PC. So uh, that's that's more of your classic Western isometric CRPG based on the Pathfinder uh, tabletop game. So I feel like this is an announcement for me, <laughs> but, but still, so I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> uh, uh, it's obviously a lot of the other like games in this space, like Baldur's Gate 3, still don't really have an official release date. That might reach its 1.0 at some point this year, but we haven't really heard anything since it, it keeps getting its uh, early access updates. Uh, so it's really cool to see that Pathfinder Wrath, Wrath of the Righteous, it does have a closed beta right now, uh, but I'm just kind of interested in just like, waiting for the full release. Um, Pathfinder Kingmaker is a game that I thought really highly of, but it released absolutely shattered and broken, like just absolutely in a terrible state. So I'm just hoping that they got their ducks in a row. And then if I play this on September 3rd, that it's not going to be this awful experience. But uh, this will probably be my my September game. Right on. This kind of comes up as like a coda to the discussion last week about all the different uh, publishers releasing their fiscal year 2020 sales updates. Uh, We got a detail on Nintendo's financial results and their projections for fiscal year 2021 and got a few sales updates here. A lot of these are just kind of like bumps from the last time we heard uh, from Nintendo financials. Uh, Breath of the Wild is up to over 22 million copies. Pokemon Sword and Shield is 21.1 million. Does that put it past gold and silver, or is it not quite there yet? Do we know? James don't know. wouldn't. Adam, yeah, look that up. <laughs> but, but, but Pokemon mm-hmm. Sword and Shield is, uh, if it's not second, then it's third in terms of selling pairs of Pokemon games. Yeah, I think it's uh, close to uh, gold and silver now. Like, it's eventually going to pass it. It feels inevitable at this point. Ring Fit Adventure actually saw a pretty big boost uh, compared to some of these other ones that boosted by a couple hundred thousand. Uh, 
Ring Fit Adventure is over 10 million sales. So considering that's like an RPG franchise for new IP, like that that blows Xenoblade out of the water. I'm sorry. Like that is I am pretty sure that's the like best selling like launch for a new RPG franchise since like the original Pokemon. Yeah, it's crazy. Kind of like serendipity. Like, can you can that can that exist in a, in a world of 2020 and COVID? But it kind of released around the right time for that. So sometimes things just work out that way. We also got a couple updates from uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. It's only just above one and a half million. Some people were like comparing it to Xenoblade Chronicles Two. It was originally outselling it for at at a pace at its initial release but now it's fallen behind it is a remaster and the original game was available on multiple consoles so maybe that comes into play who knows yeah you could buy it for 20 bucks on the wii u e-shop eventually i wonder i wonder how like uh, how much xenoblade 2 sales got boosted from pirate and mithra coming to smash as well because that definitely affected yeah. the japanese amazon with like xenoblade 2 topping their charts when they were announced for smash look up the uh, ebay going price for xenoblade 2 copies now Oh no! <laughs> I'm I'm really curious. Yeah. So by the way, yeah. By the way, um, Pokemon Gold and Silver are at 23 million reportedly. So with Sword and Shield at around 21 million. So wait, is it like oh what? This is weird. Z- Xenoblade Chronicles 2: Torna the Golden Country is rare uh, sealed 150 bucks. Is this <laughs> Torna? Yeah, it's just Torna alone. I found a new copy of the base game for 85 bucks. The Xenoblade 2 Special Edition is open but new at 250 bucks. My god. Uh, the last one here is Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Is, I... This is the remake. Is five and a half million. What? Awesome. Good game. Oh, yeah. Did you think price? <laughs> yeah, for a second, I'm tired. <laughs> Four and a half million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Then get me, let me get one of those. <laughs> Adam, I think you're the one that's, that dug the most into these financials. Uh, in terms of like console projections, they've brought them down this year. Is that, that's but they were like at record highs last year. So yeah, it's kind of well. Like here's like well, here's ahead. the thing you have to consider is you need to look at what their projections were at the start of last year because what I Nintendo believe they always did eighteen million switches sold, and they ended up like upping that. Over throughout the year, and they ended up selling 28 million. So it's just like they were a little off. <laughs> um, That's what Nintendo always does: is that they want to have their projections be low, so they almost always smash them and revise upwards. So I wouldn't like looking at their initial projections. I wouldn't read too much into it. But yeah, uh, Nintendo is selling switches like hotcakes. So, which is good to see compared to where they were like seven years ago. This is literally their most successful, the most successful they've ever been. Like even more successful than the Wii DS era. It's crazy. Yeah, in in terms of profit market. Very interested to see what they'll have what they'll have at E3 this year. Surely we must be close to Breath of the Wild too. Surely that must be the holiday title this year, right? I I heard. I heard Microsoft was bamboozled, and they thought they thought Breath of the Wild two was coming out last year. Well, what did Microsoft uh, expect? They expected Bayonetta 3. They expected Breath of the Wild 2 last year. Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime. Yeah, that, that court case is something else, man. Man, I think the wildest thing I found out from that court case is that there is an internal, like, 
like section of Xbox that their job is literally to buy Sony first party titles and review them internally for Microsoft. <laughs> okay, we're talking about the Apple versus Epic court case hearings that have been going on throughout the week and I'll continue to uh, go on for the next two weeks as they sort that out. So they have like a, a like that you're able to um, hear the audio from it from like, I think the Game Awards streams it and wherever else. But it's uh, there's been a lot of revelations uh, brought up on like all sides of that, both both for Apple, Epic, even some for Sony, even some for Microsoft, because then, you know there's a lot of uh, we found out that Nintendo refuses to work with companies that work with the Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, even Nintendo, like it just it's blowing the whole game industry open to the public on like the inner workings and dealings. There's even some stuff on like Nvidia. It's like yeah. everyone just very fascinating stuff that you can go find out on the internet it's uh it's a hell of a ride it's a hell of a ride we'll continue to be way more entertaining than i ever expected it to be that's for sure i i think okay the one, one last thing about that uh that the thing that fucking cracks me up is the is the exchange between the, the the lawyer and the microsoft representative about the xbox it's like so let's talk about the xbox xbox uh, which one? It's like, oh, do you mean the Xbox all-in-one entertainment system or <laughs> Xbox? Uh, and then the lawyer's just like, what? <laughs> do you mean Xbox as a platform for Windows 10 gaming? <laughs> uh. God, there's just so many other t- tidbits of that court case I'd love to talk about, but just this isn't the entire place. But man, what a yeah, if you're if you're if you're if you're looking for like really educated, smart, like financial savvy takeaway from what we can glean from this court case, uh, you're in the wrong place. But we'll we'll, we'll uh <laughs> we'll, we'll mean about it. I, yeah. I I think there's very little educated to be said about that court case as it currently stands because every every everyone knows that it's it's just gone off the rails already. I love the judge the, uh, the on the specific topic of like. It's like, wait, on, on Xbox Game Pass, like uh, to Apple, the judge is like, okay, but I can go uh, boot up Netflix and a- access all these movies. But you're saying uh, you're barring Microsoft from uh, doing that on your platform, even though you're letting Netflix do that? I don't get it. <laughs> the judge, even yeah. the judge is like, uh, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, like the further into the, this court case we go, you can just tell that the judge already hates both Epic and Apple. <laughs> Oh, I, 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 uh, my heart's out to the judge to having to sort out through all this bullshit and having to face also just how overly secretive the gaming industry is with all like the, the, the side. Uh, I like, love their reaction to the court documents accidentally being unsealed and they're like, well, they're already out there. So is there really any point to resealing them? And and then the following day, like there's like other like like ten other or there's uh, there's other third parties like making last minute like sealing uh, requests to the judge saying, oh no 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 don't show, don't show this to public don't show this to public you know and the judge the judge is like you never said that in the original like when that when the paperwork was submitted like what the hell you, you didn't <laughs> say, say that when it was filed <laughs> we can't do this we're gonna talk talk about this forever my God this is this court case is. <sighs> God. Speaking of E3 that Josh brought up 10 minutes ago, uh, we got of leaked information that ESA. Yeah. You're not wrong. Hey. So, so, so we got an announcement directly from the ESA as a press release about some new participants in the digital only E3 2021 
which is happening in the middle of June, June 12th through the 15th. Uh, basically, there's a whole bunch of publishers who will have some sort of presence at the event. Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Xseed, Slash Marvelous, Gearbox, uh, Verizon, Turtle Beach, a few other smaller ones. My favorite gaming uh, companies. Yes. Binge.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is nice to see that some publishers are going to you know take the opportunity to showcase as they would at a typical e3 obviously it's it's really hard to like be super like we don't know what to expect it's the first time it's had this format they took a year off after a year of a lot of incredibly terrible blunders so it's kind of like just wait and see and get the popcorn ready sort of thing uh as in a footnote we did learn that konami is deciding not to partake in E3, even though they have stated that they have plans for the year. So they kind of like one of those, like, we'll let you know, just wait, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll let you know when we have something to share. It won't be at E3. And then the ESA, like, had some sort of, like, public rebuttal to that, which is actually kind of interesting about, like, Konami's missing an opportunity here. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. lots of weird stuff. Uh, but Two companies have- in, in a position of weakness bickering at each other. You love to see it. Yeah, so I'm I like the, the the gamer in me is excited to see E3, but I'm also kind of like I'm at the point like I didn't really miss it last year. I know a lot of people did, but I guess me I just didn't. I don't know if I'm just not wasn't in that headspace because everything going on or what. But I miss like, seeing people there. That's yeah, the, that yeah we yeah we we yeah we we've hit. I that think I think besides times, yeah I think besides the obvious of like uh, Brian and Adam seeing each other because they're family. I think the last time. Two of us from the site have met face to face was uh, Brian and I like early, early in uh, 2020. It was late 2019, right before the grounded thing. Ah, it was. I wasn't yeah. sure if it was before or after the uh, nah. year shift. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I'm ex- yeah. So, yeah, I'm ex- obviously that can't happen here because it's a digital event. Uh, but didn't they also confirm feel that like- Gamescom is also going digital this year? Did right. they? Yeah, yeah, because they yeah. do. They might, might do like a hybrid thing, and then they they went back on that. Like, no, we'll just go full digital this year. I really remember need to, before, when like next year's Gamescom. I really need to get like my passport in order so I can go to that, and I can see George. If he goes. <laughs> George's like, don't see me. I have my tattoo cream on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you gonna explain that for the audience? Uh, no. it's no. it's some it's somewhat relevant to be fair, right? So wait. With what? <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with RPGs, it's a. Uh, I got an Emil tattoo um, on my chest, and uh, that, that before, start the podcast, before I start the podcast, I spilled Diet Coke down my belly button, and then that revealed <laughs> that I had my shirt off and my tattoo cream on. <laughs> um, now I'm I'm shouting this on a podcast. So. Recorded no, no, no one listens two hours in anyway. If you're listening to this and you and you and you and you've just heard George regale the tale of his Emil tattoo, uh, go to our Discord channel, which you can access with a link at the top of our homepage, oh. and, uh, and let him have it. There you go. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, what else do we got? Speaking of Discord. Uh, yeah, PlayStation has announced an official partnership with Discord to come out next year, uh, which is weird because this is coming off the heels of the rumoring of Microsoft buying Discord outright. Uh, 
So this is kind of a weird one for me because as a primary PC gamer, I kind of like, I have Discord open all the time. Uh, spoiler, we actually kind of use it to do this podcast and share streams and uh, even talk about like embargoed footage or whatever. Uh, but it's kind of been like off limits to consoles, like completely, unless you put it like on your phone. Well, because sort of. Because that's, because that's better than the Switch Online <laughs> implementation of voice chat. What do you mean by sort of? Um, well, already Microsoft has some integration with Discord on Xbox. So basically, if you are playing a game on Xbox, your Discord status will show you playing that Xbox game. Like you'll see a CD in the Discord, like uh, like on the sidebar when he's playing like Assassin's Creed or something, or Sea of Thieves or something. You you'll see it because no, you're it right, says, you're right. yeah, yeah. So, anyways, let me go through a little bit of the press release here. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, at PlayStation, we're constantly looking for new ways to enable players around the world to connect with one another. Blah blah. blah. Together, our teams are hard at work connecting Discord with your social and gaming experience on PlayStation Network. Our goal is to bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, allowing friends, groups, and communities to hang out, have fun, and communicate more easily while playing games together. So, very same reason that we use Discord, at least our, this group here, uses it pretty regularly, both as gamers and for contributing to this site. So, I think this is a really cool thing. I'm really glad to see some console integration uh, come forward next year. Yeah, it also, it also makes it also makes sense why they were getting rid of PlayStation communities because it's like, well, no reason to support this if we're gonna have Discord uh, integration. Good point. Very good think point. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder if this will mean like they're actually gonna have like a separate Discord app that you can boot up on like well PlayStation Five or whatever. From the phrasing, it almost sounds like that they might this might be crazy it almost sounds like they might be using as on the back end for the party chat would actually be discord that'd be cool yeah but that anything to like just i don't know the 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 in console solutions have been kind of poor for me for the past several years because you know discord has been doing so well it's like why would i ever want to engage with that so it'd be it'd be pretty cool like say like if i'm playing a ps5 game and like the the there's a party chat that I can like that'd be a good way to like utilize the card system I think for uh, with Discord uh, on PS5. It's just like hey, when you press the PS button, you'll see like the cards, uh, and then like maybe you'll have like just toggleable options whether you want to go mute or you want to like adjust the volume on someone in the party chat, whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's like all seamlessly mm -hmm. integrated in a in a more uh, refined fashion than the way I'm describing it on PS. I also. I also hope this means I'll finally be able to like voice chat with my buddies on PlayStation or I'm playing something on PC because previously that meant I either had to just like boot up my PS5 or PS4 and like have it through a capture window like in the background or I had to plug in my phone like with a mail to mail yeah. aux. It's just uh I wonder if I'll actually let you do like a like a live stream your PS5 or PS4 on discord type of deal as well i i mean if there's discord integration i don't see why not because you can already do that in parties on playstation 5. that's gonna be funny if like it all has like the the same limitations too so like if you're going through, through a spoiler cutscene, the people on discord can't see that probably will be but um i mean anyone that's serious about streaming has a capture card so yeah but like when I'm playing a PC game, 
if it has like built-in voice chat, I hardly ever use it. We just, I just find the Discord channel, like, and I'll just use that running in the background. So it's become like ubiquitous for me. And I guess I always just try thought of it as like, oh, if I'm playing a console game, gotta gotta figure out how to work this in the PlayStation set, uh, ecosystem. But now it's kind of like, well, now that's one and the same, I suppose, at least to some extent. And so. what you're saying right here is why it was very smart of Discord to not let Microsoft buy them out. Because they wanted to have the offer so they can say, hey, we're valued at least this much. And then they can go from there for more funding. Because what PlayStation is doing here is that they're integrating with Discord and they're investing, but they're not purchasing. So remember in the long the run, this store? was probably... Yeah, I remember, remember that. Discord store. I'm just like, for some reason, I just popped in my head, like, man. So that they haven't, they haven't been flawless. They've had a few blunders, but, uh, but they tried. You know, they 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 explored solutions. Some of them didn't work out. As a final note here, uh, it looks like on the Microsoft side of things, a bunch of cool looking games coming to Game Pass that we have spoken highly of on this podcast before, and maybe uh, even more. Yeah, more on that. So Dragon Pe Dragon Quest Builders 2, we already talked about that it had a surprise kind of Xbox Microsoft release leaked from the uh, store listing. Uh, so it is on console and PC Game Pass. Final Fantasy X and X-2 are coming next week. Uh, Remnant from the Ashes is another. It's a game I've heard a lot about as, as kind of like a, like a multiplayer Dark Souls-like almost. Uh, only with more shooting at uh, focus is also on the PC Game Pass, and then potentially more Dragon Quest coming to Microsoft Store or Game Pass. It's a tease. Uh, basically, yeah, yesterday, yeah, yesterday I was just scrolling through Twitter. I saw a very silly Dragon Quest tweet from Kyle Gatto. He just like Dragon Quest be like crown blue circle, <laughs> which was <laughs> funny. And then in the replies, there was uh, uh, this one dude said, "I'm still deep in Dragon Quest 11, but now Builders 2 has dropped on Game Pass, and it's more Dragon Quest than I can take." And weirdly enough, the official Game Pass Twitter account replied to that saying, no, that's just the right amount. Maybe dot dot dot. It's not enough. So very obviously mm -hmm. a tease for more to come. So that, I mean. So what other Dragon Quest game could end up on Windows Store on Game Pass? Realistically, the Dragon Quest Heroes games, like the, the ones um, uh, mm. like uh, Dynasty Warriors-esque. They were from I think they were from Omega Force. I can't remember. Were they good? Uh, they were they were pretty good, yeah. I I, I, like... I I haven't played two, but I've heard that it's actually really good. Yeah. So. I, I think I think two is way better than one, but um they're 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 pretty solid games. I reviewed both of them, I believe. Um so that'd be cool. Realistically, that'd be cool. Uh me and James uh thought the same thing when when you heard this. So like, why why doesn't Microsoft just pull off another Fantasy Star Online 2 and just do a surprise reveal like Dragon Quest Ten. I know this. Yeah, I know this is crazy. <laughs> I know that I shouldn't expect this, but he and hear me out. Hear me out. Mm. So we know that Phil has been trying to uh, get Final Fantasy fourteen on Xbox for a while now, and we also know that Yoshi P has said that. Oh no, the dev team is just too busy. We can't deal with that. Do you know another MMO that Yoshi P is involved with? that doesn't have as much active development right now? Dragon Quest X. 
James, I didn't know Yoshi was involved in that. James, James is just like up on this like uh, this uh, whiteboard, <laughs> like the contracting like red strings <laughs> of his things like that. Uh, if you really think about what Phil did, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know what? I'm with you, man. I would love to see. I, I mean, it's so crazy, but it's like when you think about it, it's is like, it that crazy? Yeah, it's like <laughs> we we never thought Fantasy Star Online two would happen. We never did. I love it's the like, hush voices. I love the like the the conspiracy theory. <laughs> like, I'm whispering. Why am I whispering? All, all I'll say is, is that I know that if they localize it, it'll be on PC, and I don't need to buy a Series X. But I, I'm just gonna say right now, if if Phil actually manages to get Dragon Quest X localized, I will buy an Xbox just as support for that. <laughs> all right, it's it's now on the record, on public record. Will you back me up on that, Josh? Oh my God, man! <laughs> we've got two things on. We've got two things. Important things on public record in the last 15 minutes of the podcast. I, 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 James's I, I, promise for a Series X and yeah, George's Neil. No, no, no. I didn't <laughs> say Series <laughs> X. I said next box. That's oh, different. Next box. Oh. <laughs> Loophole. Yeah. But I don't I don't know. But, but I would probably make it a backwards compatibility machine to, on top of a Dragon Quest X machine if that were to happen. Yeah. Uh, but man, I, I would if they if they did that, that'd be crazy. It'd probably get you back to the MMOs because I hear so many great things about Dragon Quest Ten. People are like, you freaking love it, man. And the, from the friends that I uh, spoke with that play it, like it seems to be a really good MMO. Um, and we'll see, we'll see. That this is this is our our hopes being taken up to an unrealistic degree, but. You never know. All, all, all from a, all from an admittedly kind of shitty like Twitter tease. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah. I, like, it's it's hard to it's hard to completely dismiss it because PSO two happened. So like, feels like anything. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you can say, oh, it's a Twitter tease, but I mean, it's not even like a, oh, is it a tease? I mean, this is a pretty blatant tease that there's yeah, more. To is come. it yeah, not enough? Hmm. I would I would say that the Xbox Game Pass account is like one of the memeier sort of like Twitter accounts I've seen, like company-wise, like they do tease a lot. And like, well, obviously Game Pass is absolutely stacked with games anyway, so there's a lot to come from it. But I do wonder if they're just being like overly cheeky. cheeky. I think it'd be heroes. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be heroes of anything, which is sad. <laughs> hmm. Speaking of, just a random thing to throw in the end here is that Fantasy Star on two, Align 2 New Genesis is beta starts next Friday, so... Get if, assuming the assuming the servers, uh, I I have the thing saying it on this weird, bare bones Xbox Insider PC app saying that I'm ready. Yeah. So I guess we'll see like on Friday if the rollout is smooth or cluster clusterfuck. We'll have to see. But yeah, I guess all those fan all the PSO two talk reminded me like, oh yeah, that's next week. Close beta for that. So cool. And with that. That covers everything that I had slated or had written down or other people had contributed and written down. Do we have any other final thoughts on E3 or on Discord or near anything we talked about today? We have to do like a live watch of E3. That's all I'm saying. Like we we gotta I don't I don't know if like people would listen to it, but that would be cool. If Kingdom Hearts gets announced and I start screaming, like I'll be on public record. Well, we could always jump in. To a channel like this and do a group watch and then i can secretly record everyone without their permission yes <laughs> comes good comes out of it i will ask for forgiveness which is easier <laughs> than permission as the saying goes <laughs> Deal. But yeah uh, 
I'm, yeah, E3 obviously comes with a lot of baggage, but obviously there's also reasons to be excited for it, especially after the crap year that most of us had. It's cool to have something like that to look forward to, at least in some respects. So we do have the couple reviews that we mentioned up on the site for Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town, and Kingdom Hearts 3 on PC. The uh, the interview with the Neo, The World Ends With You developers. Uh, check out our Instagram page. We're, we're testing and piloting a few things there. So Instagram.com slash RPG site. Obviously, also, we're on Facebook, uh, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter.com slash RPG site. Go to our Discord channel. If you go to rpgsite.net and hit the link at the top of the homepage, you can join us there. And we occasionally tweet out uh, the Discord link a few times as well. And this podcast will be up on YouTube, hopefully soon. And we'll have it for you next week as we are seemingly here every week. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay safe, take care. We'll talk to you then.